Hi, welcome to a new installment of Corona Cold Reads brought to you by My Entertainment World. Um, this is part of our isolation content. Uh, we're recording it all remotely because we need something to do. Um, and hopefully you need something to listen to. So today we have Winter's Tale for you, which is one of Shakespeare's most complicated plays. It's this weird sort of disjointed half tragedy, half comedy that's often just called a problem play or a romance. Um, we picked this one because uh, when we were planning these, I reached out to some of my favorite actors in the world and asked them, hey, if you could read any part in all of Shakespeare, who would it be? And then we were able to program around them. And the uh, incredible Laura Conlin, who's one of the best actresses ever, I just love her so much, she wanted to play Paulina. And so we did Winter's Tale entirely so that Laura Conlin could play Paulina because, you know, I've never heard of a better reason to do anything. Uh, so we put together this cast to do Winter's Tale, um, and Eli Hamm, who's another one of my favorite actors, has been circling the role of Leontes for a while, and it just so happened that his young daughter Grace was able to join us as Mamilius, so that worked out really beautifully. And then, yeah, we have a great a great cast that came together. That whole list is available on myentertainmentworld.ca for you to check out. And uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MyEntWorld, MyENTWorld, so you can get all of the latest and know when the live readings are happening. There are Saturdays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Um, Eastern Time. And the video and audio is always available after the fact. The uh, audio is in the f podcast feed, which is what you're listening to now. Um, and the video is on our YouTube channel as well as on the website. But if you want to tune in live, get involved with the chat, all that kind of stuff, um, you're absolutely welcome to do that every Tuesday and Saturday. And just follow our Instagram and Twitter for the links uh, to tune in at the right time. So enjoy Winter's Tale. If you shall chance, Camilla, to visit Bohemia on the like occasion where on my service to uh, services are now on foot, you shall see, as I have said, great difference between betwixt our Bohemia and your Sicilia. I think this coming summer the king of Sicilia means yeah. to pay Bohemia the visitation which he justly owes him. Whereon our entertainment shall shame us, we will be justified in our loves, for indeed, beseech you. Verily, I speak it in the freedom of my knowledge. We cannot with such magnificence in so rare, I know not what to say, um, we will give you sleepy tricks that your senses and intelligence of our insufficiency uh, may, though they cannot praise us, a little accuse us. You pay a great deal too dear for what's given freely. Believe me, I speak as my understanding instructs me and as mine honesty puts it to utterance. Cecilia cannot show himself overkind to Bohemia. They were trained together in their childhoods, and they, they are rooted betwixt them such an affection which cannot choose but branch now. Since their more mature dignities and royal necessities made separation of their society, their encounters, though not personal, have been royally attorneyed with interchange of gifts, letters, loving embassies. They that have seemed to be together, though absent, shook hands as over a vast no, and embraced, okay. as it were, from the ends of opposed winds. Heavens continue their loves. I think there's not in the world either malice or matter to alter it. You have an unspeakable comfort of your young Prince Mamilius, or young Lady Mamilius. It is a gentlewoman of the greatest promise that ever came into my note. I very well agree with you that in the hopes of her, it is a gallant child, one that indeed physics the subject, makes old hearts fresh, 
They that went on crutches, ere she was born, desire yet their life to see her a woman. Would they else be content to die? Yes, if there were no other excuse yeah. why they should desire to live. Mm. Well, if the king had no daughter, they would desire to live on crutches till he had one. Exit. Scene yeah. two, a room in the st of state in the same. Enter Leontes, Hermione, Mamilius, <laughs> Polixenes, Camillo, and attendants. Fine changes of the watery star. Have Wait, the hold on, Mo, we can't hear you. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. You can hear me now. Yes, we can. Okay, start again. Scene two, a room of state in the same. Enter bunch of people. Mind <clears throat> changes of the watery star hath been the shepherd's note since we have left our throne without a burthen. Time as long again would be fined up, my brother, with our thanks. And yet we should for perpetuity go hence in debt. And therefore, like a cipher, yet standing in rich place, I multiply with one, we thank you, many thousands mo that go before it. Uh, stay your thanks a while and pay them when you part. Sir, that's tomorrow. I am questioned by my fears of what may chance or breed upon our absence that may blow no sweeping winds at home to make us say this is put forth too truly. Besides, I have stayed to tie your royalty. Uh, we are tougher, brother, than you can put us to it. No longer stay. One seven night longer. Very sooth, tomorrow. We'll part the time betweens then, and in that I'll, I'll no gainsaying. Press me not, beseech you so. There is no tongue that moves, none, none in the world so soon as yours could win me. So it should now, were there necessity in your request. Although twere needful, I denied it. My affairs do even drag me homeward, which to hinder were in your love a whip to me, my stay to, your, to a charge and trouble to save both. Farewell, our brother. Tongue tied, our queen. Speak you. I had thought, sir, to have held my peace until you had drawn oaths from him not to stay. You, sir, charge him too coldly. Tell him you are sure all in Bohemia as well. This satisfaction, the bygone day proclaimed, say this to him. He's beat from his best ward. Well said, Hermione. To tell, he longs to see his son were strong. But let him say so then and let him go but let him swear so, and he shall not stay. We'll thwack him thence with distaffs. Yet of your royal presence, I'll adventure the borrow of a week. When at Bohemia you take my lord, I'll give him my commission to let him there a month behind the guest, prefixed for parting, yet good deed, Leontes. I love thee not a jar or clock behind, what lady she her lord. You'll stay? No, madam. Nay, but you will? I may not, verily. Verily? You put me off with limber vows, but I, though you would seek to unsphere the stars with oaths, should yet say, sir, no going. Verily, you shall not go. A lady's verily's as potent as a lord's. Will you go yet? Force me to keep you as a prisoner, not like a guest, so you shall pay your fees when you depart and save your thanks. How say you, my prisoner or my guest? By your dread, verily, one of them you shall be. Mo. Mo, are you frozen? Guys, this one's going so badly. Mo. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think one of us is frozen. I think Mo's frozen. Okay, I'm going to read Polixenes until Mo comes back. Your guest then, madam, to be your prisoner should import offending, which is for, for me less easy to commit than you to punish. Not your jailer then, but your kind hostess. Come, I'll question you of my lord's tricks and yours when you were boys. You were pretty lordlings then? We were, fair queen. Two lads that thought, that thought there was no more behind but such a day tomorrow as today, and to be boy eternal. Was not my lord the verier wag of the two? We were as twinned lambs that did frisk in the sun and bleat the one at the other. What we changed was innocence for innocence. We knew not the doctrine of ill-doing, nor dreamed that any did. Had we pursued that life and our weak spirits ne'er been higher reared with stronger blood, we should have answered heaven boldly, not guilty. The imposition cleared hereditary ours. By this we gather you have tripped since. Oh, my most sacred lady, temptations have since then been born to's for. In the unfledged days was my wife a girl. Your precious self had then not crossed the eyes of my young playfellow. Grace to boot. Of this, make no conclusion, lest you say your queen and I are devils. Mo, are you back yet? (laughs) Okay. Please read. You're back? back? Uh, Grace to boot. Of this. Make no conclusion, lest you say your queen and I are devils, yet go on. The offenses we have made you do will answer. If you first sinned with us, and that with us you did continue fault, and that you slipped not with any but with us. Oh, is he won yet? (laughs) He'll stay, my lord. Uh, At my request he would not, Hermione, my dearest. Thou never spokest to better purpose. Hermione? Sorry, mine froze. Sorry. Uh, never. Uh, never but once. What? Have I twice said well? What was before? I prithee tell me. Crams with praise and make as fat as tame things. One good deed dying tongueless slaughters a thousand waiting upon that. Our praises are our wages. You may rise with one soft kiss a thousand furlongs air with spur we beat an acre, but to the goal, my last deed was to entreat his stay. What was my first? It has an elder sister, or I mistake you. Oh, would her name were Grace. But once before it, I spoke to the purpose. When? Nay, let me have it. I long. Why, that was when three crabbed mouths had soured themselves to death, ere I could make thee upon thy white hand and clap thyself my love. Then didst thou utter, I am yours forever. Tis grace indeed. Why lo you now? I have spoke to the purpose twice. The one forever earned a royal husband. The other for some while, a friend. Too hot, too hot to mingle friendship far as mingling bloods. I have tremor on me. My heart dances, but not for joy, not joy. This entertainment may a free face put on, derive a liberty from heartiness, from bounty, fertile bosom, and well become the agent. To may I grant, but to be paddling palms and pinching fingers as now they are, and making practiced smiles as in a looking glass, and then to sigh as twere the mort of the deer. Oh, that is entertainment my bosom likes not, nor my brows. Mamilius, 
Art thou my girl? I my good lord. Vex, <laughs> why, that's my barcock. What, hast thou smutched thy nose? They say it is a copy out of mine. Come, captain, we must be neat, not neat, but cleanly, captain, and yet the steer, the heifer, and the calf are all called neat, still virginaling on, upon his palm. How now, you wanton calf, are you, art thou my calf? Yes, if you will, my lord. Thou wantst a rough pash, and the shoots that I have to be full like me. Yet they say we are almost like as eggs. Women say so, that will say anything, but they were, but were they false as ore-dyed blacks, as wind, as waters, false as dice are to be wished by one that fixes, no born twixt his and mine, yet were it true to say this girl were like me. Come, madam, look on me with your welkin eye, sweet villain, most dearest, my call-up can I damn, may it be, Affection, thy intention stabs the center. Thou dost make possible things not so held. Communicatest with dreams, how can this be? With what's unreal, thou coactive art and fellowest nothing. Then tis very credent thou mayest co-join with something. And thou dost, and that beyond commission, and I find it, and that's to be infection of my brains and hardening of my brows. What means Cecilia? He seems, he something seems unsettled. How, my lord, what cheer? How is it with you, best brother? You look as if you held a brow of much distraction. Are you moved, my lord? No, in good earnest. How sometimes nature will betray its folly, its tenderness, and make itself a pastime to harder bosoms. Looking on the lines of my girl's face, methought I did recoil twenty-three years and saw myself unbreached in my green velvet coat, my dagger muzzled, lest it should bite its master and so prove, as ornaments oft do, too dangerous. How like, methought, I then was to this colonel, this squash, this lady. Mine honest friend, will you take eggs for money? No, my lord, I'll fight. <laughs> you will? Why, happy man's... Happy man be's dole. Uh, my brother, are you so fond of your young prin as you of your young princess as we do seem to be of ours? If at home, sir, he's all my exercise, my mirth, my matter. Now my sworn friend and then mine enemy, my parasite, my soldier, statesman all. He makes a July's day short as December, and with his varying child childness cures in me thoughts that would thick my blood. So stands this squire, officed with me. We two will walk, my lord, and uh, leave you to your graver steps. Hermione, how thou lovest us show in, your, in our brother's welcome. Let what is dear in Sicily be cheap. Next to thyself and my young rover, he's apparent to my heart. If you would seek us, we are yours of the garden. Shalls attend you there. To your own bents dispose you, uh, you'll be found, be you beneath the sky. I am angling now, though you perceive me not how I give line. Go to, go to, how she holds up the neb, the bill to him, and arms her with the boldness of a wife to her allowing husband. Gone already, inch thick, knee deep, o'er head and ears a forked one. Go, uh, play, girl, play. 
My mother plays, and I play too, but so disgraced a part whose issue will hiss me to my grave. Contempt and clamor will be my knell. Go, play, girl, play. There have been, or I am much deceived, cuckolds ere now, and many a man there is, even at this present, now while I speak this, holds his wife by the arm, that little thinks she has been sliced in his absence, and his pond fished by his next neighbor, by Sir Smile, his neighbor. Nay, there's comfort in't. Whilst other men have gates, and those gates opened as mine against their will, should all despair that have revolted wives, the tenth of mankind would hang themselves. Physic for it, there is none. It is a body planet that will strike when tis predominant, and tis powerful think it from east, west, north, and south, be it concluded. No barricado for a belly, know it. I will let in and out the enemy with bag and baggage. Many thousands on have the disease and feel it not. Oh, how timely. How now, girl? I'm like you, they say. Why, that's some comfort. What, Camillo there? I, my good lord. Uh, go, Mamilius. Thou art an honest girl. Exit Mamilius. Camillo, this great sir will yet stay longer? You had much ado to make his anchor hold. When you cast out, it still came home. Uh, didst perceive it? You would not stay yeah. at your petitions. Made his business more material. Didst perceive it? They, they're, they're here with me already, whispering, rounding. Cecilia is so forth. Tis far gone. When I shall gust at last. How came to Camillo uh, that he did stay? At the good queen's entreaty. At the queen's, be it. Good should be pertinent, but so it is, it is not. Was this taken by any understanding pate but thine? For thy conceit is soaking, we'll draw it in. For thy conceit is soaking, we'll draw in more than the common blocks. Not noted, is But of the finer natures, by some severals of headpiece extraordinary, lower messes, perchance are to this business purblind, say? Business, my lord. I think most understand Bohemia stays here longer. Uh, stays here longer. Aye, but why? To satisfy your highness and the entreaties of our most gracious mistress. Satisfy. The entreaties of your mistress. Satisfy. Let that suffice. I have trusted thee, Camillo. With all my nearest things, with all the nearest things to my heart, as well my chamber counsels, wherein, priest-like, thou hast cleansed my bosom. I from thee departed, thy penitent reformed, but we have been deceived in thy integrity, deceived in which seems so, in that which seems so. Be it forbid, my lord. To bide upon it, thou art not honest, or if thou inclinest that way, thou art a coward, which hoaxes honesty behind restraining from course required, or else thou must be counted a servant crafted in most serious trust, and therein negligent, or, or else a fool that sees a game played home, the rich stake drawn, and takest it all for jest. My gracious lord, I may be negligent, foolish, and fearful, in every one of these, no man is free. Among the infinite doings of the world sometimes puts forth. In your affairs, my lord, if ever I were willful, negligent, it was my folly. If industriously I played the fool, it was my negligence. Not weighing well in the end, 
if ever fearful to do a thing where I the issue doubted where to the execution did cry out against the non-performance, t'was a fear which oft infects the wisest. These, my lord, are such allowed infirmities that honesty is never free of. But beseech your grace, be plainer with me. Let me know my trespass by its own visage. If I then deny it, tis none of mine. Ah, not you seen, Camilla. But that's past doubt. You have, or your eyeglass is thicker than a cuckold's horn, or heard. For to a vision, to apparent rumor, cannot be mute. Or thought, for contagion, resides not, resides not in that man that does not think. My wife is slippery. If thou wilt confess, or else the impudently, impudently negative, negative to have nor eyes nor ears nor thought then say my wife's a hobby horse deserves a name as rank as any flax wench that puts to before her troth plight say it and justify it i would not be a stander by to hear my sovereign mistress clouded so without my present vengeance taken true my heart you never spoke what did become you less than this which to reiterate were sin as deep as that though true is whispering nothing? Is leaning cheek to cheek? Is meeting noses? Kissing with inside lips? Stopping the career of laughing with a sigh? A note infallible of breaking honesty. Horsing foot to foot, skulking in concerts, wishing clocks more swift hours, minutes, noon, midnight, and all eyes blind with the pin and web but theirs, theirs only, that would unseen be wicked. Is this nothing? Why then the world and all that's in it is nothing. The covering sky is nothing, Bohemia nothing, my wife is nothing, nor nothing have these nothings, if this be nothing. Good, my lord, be cured of this diseased opinion and betimes, for tis most dangerous. Say it be, tis true. No, no, my lord. It is, you lie. You lie, I say thou liest, Camillo, and I hate thee. Pronounce thee a gross lout, a mindless slave, or else a hovering temporizer that canst with thine eyes at once see good and evil, inclining to them both. Where my wife's liver infected as her life, she would not live the running of one glass. Who does infect her? Why, he that wears her like a medal hanging about his neck, Bohemia. Who, if I had servants true about me, that bear eyes to see alike mine honor as their prophets, their own particular thrifts, as they would do that which should undo more doing, I and thou, his cupbearer, whom I from meaner form have benched and reared to worship, who mayst, seen, who mayst see plainly as heaven sees earth, and earth sees heaven, how I am galled might be spice a cup to give mine enemy a lasting wink, which drop which draught me were cordial. Sir, my lord, I could do this, and that with no rash potion, but with a lingering dram that should not work maliciously like poison. But I cannot believe this crack to be in my dread mistress, so sovereignly being honorable. I have loved thee. At thy question and go rot. Dost thou think I am so muddy, so unsettled, to appoint myself in this vexation 
sully the purity and whiteness of my sheets, which to preserve is sleep, which being spotted is goads, thorns, nettles, trails of wasps give scandal to the blood of the princess, my daughter, who I do think is mine and love as mine without right moving to it. Would I do this? Could man so blench? I must believe you, sir. I do. And will fetch off Bohemia for it, provided that when he's removed, your highness will take again your queen as yours at first, even for your daughter's sake, and thereby for sealing the injury of tongues and courts and kingdoms known and allied to yours. Thou dost advise me even so, as I mine own course have set down. I give no blemish to her honor. None. My lord, go then. And with a countenance as clear as friendship wears at feasts, keep with Bohemia and with your queen. I am his cupbearer. If from me he have wholesome beverage, account me not your servant. This is all. Do it, and thou hast the one half of my heart. Do it not, thou spillest thine own. I'll do it, my lord. I will seem friendly as thou hast advised me. Exit. A miserable lady. But for me, what case stand I in? I must be the poisoner of good polixenes, and my ground to do it is the obedience to a master, one who in rebellion with himself will have all that are his so too. To do this deed, promotion follows. If I could find example of thousands that had struck anointed kings and flourished after, I'd not do it. But since nor brass, nor stone, nor parchment bears not one, let villainy itself forswear it. I must forsake the court. To do it or no is certain to, to me a breakneck. Happy star reign now. Here comes Bohemia. We enter Polixenes. This is strange. Methinks my favor here begins to warp, not speak. Good day, Camillo. Hey, most royal, sir. What is the news in the court? <laughs> None rare, my lord. The king hath on him such a countenance as he had lost some province and a region, loved as he loves himself. Even now I met him with customary compliment when he, wafting his eyes to the contrary and falling a lip of much contempt, speeds from me and so leaves me to consider what is breeding that changes thus his manners. Dare not know, my lord. How dare not? Do not. Do you know and dare not? Be intelligent to me. Tis thereabouts, for, for to yourself what you do know you must, and cannot say you dare not. Good Camillo, your changed complexions are to me a mirror, which shows me mine changed too, for I must be a party in this alteration, finding myself thus altered with it. There is a sickness which puts some of us in distemper, but I cannot name the disease. And it is caught of you that are yet well. How, how caught of me? Make me not sighted like the basilisk. I have looked on thousands who have sped the better by my regard, but killed none so. Camillo, as you are certainly a gentleman, thereto clerk-like experienced, which no less adorns our gentry than our parents' noble names in whose success we are gentle. I 
beseech you, if you know aught which does behove my knowledge, thereof to be informed, imprison it not in ignorant concealment. I may not answer. A sickness caught of me, and yet I well. I must be answered. Dost thou hear, Camillo? I conjure thee by all the parts of man which honor does acknowledge, whereof the least is not this suit of mine, that thou, de that thou declare what insidiency thou dost guess of harm is creeping toward me. How far off? How near? Which way to be prevented, if to be? If not, how best to bear it? Sir, I will tell you. Since I am charged in honor, and by him that I think honorable, therefore mark my counsel, which must be even as swiftly followed as I mean to utter it, or both yourself and me cry lost, and so good night. On, good Camilla. I am appointed him to murder you. <clears throat> by whom, Camilla? By the king. For what? He thinks, nay, with all confidence he swears, as he had seen it or been an instrument to vice you to it, that you have touched his queen forbiddenly. Oh, then my best blood turned to an infected jelly and my name be yoked with his that did betray the best. Turn then my freshest reputation to a savor that may strike the dullest nostril when I, where I arrive, and my approach be shunned. Nay, hated too, worse than that greatest infection that e'er was heard or read. Swear his thought over by each particular star in heaven, and by all their influences, you may as well forbid the sea for to obey the moon, as or by oath remove or counsel shake the fabric of his folly, whose foundation is piled upon his faith and will continue the standing of his body. How should this grow? I know not, but I am sure it is safer to avoid what's grown than question how tis born. If therefore you dare trust my honesty that lies enclosed in the trunk which you shall bear along in pond away tonight, your followers I will whisper to the business and will by twos and threes at several posterns clear them of the city. For myself, I'll put my fortunes to your service, which are here by this discovery lost. Be not uncertain, for by the honor of my parents, I have uttered truth, which if you seek to prove, I dare not stand by. Nor shall you be safer than one condemned by the king's own mouth, thereon his execution sworn. I do believe thee. I saw his heart in his face. Give me thy hand. Be pilot to me, and thy places shall still neighbor mine. My ships are ready, and my people did expect my hence departure two days ago. This jealousy is for a precious creature. As she's rare, must it be great, and as his person's mighty, must it be violent, and as he does conceive, he is dishonored by a man which ever professed to him. Why, his revenges must. In, in that be made more bitter. Fear overshades me. Good expedition be my friend and comfort the gracious queen, part of this theme, but nothing of this ill-taken suspicion. Come, Camillo, I will respect thee as a father if thou bearest my life off hence. Let us avoid. It is in mine authority to command the keys of all the posterns. Please your highness to take the urgent hour. Come away, sir. Exit. Act two, scene one, a room in Leontes' palace. Enter Hermione, Mamilius, and ladies. Take the girl to you. She so troubles me, tis past enduring. 
Come, my gracious lady, shall I be your playfellow? No, I'll none of you. Why, my sweet lady? You'll kiss me hard and speak to me as if I were a baby still. I love you better. And why so, my lord, lady? Not for because for Yes, you got it. Take your time. Not for because your brows are blacker, yet black brows they say become some woman best so that they are not not too much here but in a semicircle made with a pen who taught you this is I learned it of women's faces. Pray now, what color are your eyes? Blue, my lord, my lady. Nay, that's a mock. I've seen ladies' nose that has been blue. <laughs> Hark ye, the queen, your mother, rounds apace. We shall present our services to a fine new prince one of these days. And then you'd wanton with us if we would have you. She is spread of late in a goodly bulk. The time encounter her. What wisdom stirs amongst you? Come, lady. Now I am for you again. Pray you, sit by us and tell us a tale. Merry or sad, shalt it shalt mm. be. As merry as you will. A sad tale's best winter. I have one of sprites and goblins. Let's have that, good lady. Come on, sit down, come on, and do your best to fright me with your sprites. You're powerful at it. There was a man. Nay, come, sit down, then on. Built by a churchyard, I will tell it softly, found crickets shall not hear. Come on then, give it to me in mine ear. Enter Leontes with Antigonus, Lords, and others. Was he met there, his train, Camilla with him? Behind the tufts of pine I met them. Never saw I men scour so on their way. I eyed them even to their ships. How blessed am I in my just censure, in my true opinion, a lack for lesser knowledge, how accursed in being so blessed. There may be in the cup a spider steeped, and one may drink, depart, and yet partake no venom, for his knowledge is not infected. But if one present the abhor abhor abhorred ingredient to his eye, make known how he hath Drunk, he cracks his gorge, his sides with violent hefts. I have drunk and seen the spider. Camillo was his help in this, his pander. There is a plot against my life, my crown. All's true that is mistrusted. 
that false villain whom I employed was pre-employed by him. He had discovered my design, and I, remaining a pinched thing, yea, a very trick for them to play at will. How came the postern so easily open? By his great authority, which often hath no less prevailed than so on your command. I know it too well. Give me the girl. I am glad you did not I am glad you did not nurse her, though she does bear some signs of me, yet you have too much blood in her. What is this? Sport? Bear the girl hence. She shall not come about her. Away with her, and let her sport herself with that she's big with, for tis Polixenes hath made thee swell thus. But I'd say he had not. And I'll be sworn you would believe my saying, howe'er you lean to the nayward. You, my lords, look at her, mark her well. Be but about to say she is a goodly lady, and the justice of your beards will thereto add, tis pity she's not honest, honorable. Praise her, but for her without-door form, which on my faith deserves high speech and straight the shrug, the hum or ha, these pretty bands that calumny doth use. Oh, I am out. That mercy does, for calumny will sear virtue itself, these shrugs, these hums and haws. When you have said she's goodly, come between ere you can say she's honest. But to... But be it known, from him that has most caused to grieve, it should be. She's an adulteress. Should a villain say so? The most replenished villain in the world, he were as much more villain. You, my lord, do but mistake. You have mistook, my lady. Polixenes for Leontes. O oh, thou thing, which I'll not call a creature of thy place lest barbarism making me the precedent should a like language used to all degrees and mannerly distinguishment leave out betwixt the prince and beggar. I have said she's an adulteress. I have said with whom more she's a traitor, and Camillo is a federary with her, and one that knows what she should, what she should shame to know herself, but with her most vile principle that she's a bed swerer, even as, a ba even as bad as those that vulgars give boldest titles, aye, and privy to their late escape. No, by my life, privy to none of this. How will this grieve you when you shall come to clearer knowledge that you thus have published me, gentle? My lord, you scarce can write me throughly than to say you did mistake. No. If I mistake in those foundations which I build upon, the center is not big enough to bear a schoolboy's top. Away with her, to prison. He who shall speak for her is a far-off guilty, but that he speaks. There's some ill planet rains. <laughs> I must be patient till the heavens look with an aspect more favorable. Good, my lords. I am not prone to weeping as our sex commonly are, the want of which vain do perchance shall dry your pities. But I have that honorable grief lodged here, which burns worse than tears drown. Beseech you all, my lords, with thoughts so qualified as your charity shall best instruct you, measure me. 
and so the king's will be performed. Shall I be heard? Who is't that goes with me? Beseech your highness, my women may be with me, for you see, my plight requires it. Do not weep, good fools, there is no cause. When you shall know your mistress has deserved prison, then abound in tears as I come out. This action I now go on is for my better grace. Adieu, my lord. I never wished to see you sorry. Now I trust I shall. My women, come, you have leave. Go, do your bidding, hence. Exit Hermione, guarded with ladies. Beseech your highness, call the queen again. Be certain what you do, sir, lest your justice prove violence, in which three great ones suffer, yourself, your queen, your son, daughter, whoever. For her, my lord, I dare lay, dare my life lay down and will do it, sir. Please you to accept it, that the crown is spotless in the eye of the heaven and to you. I mean in this what you accuse her. If it prove she's otherwise, I'll keep my stables where I lodge my wife. I'll go in couples with her. Then when I feel and see her no farther, trust her for every inch of woman in the world. I every dram of woman's flesh is false if she be. Hold your pieces. Good, my lord. It is for you we speak, not for ourselves. You are abused, and by some put her on that will be damned for it. Would I knew the villain, I would land damn him. Be she honor flawed, I have three daughters. The eldest is eleven, the second and the third nine, and some five. If this prove true, they'll pay for it. By mine honor, I'll geld them all. Fourteen they shall not see to bring false generations. They are co-heirs, and I had rather glib myself than they should not produce fair issue. Cease. No more. You smell this business with a sense as cold as is a dead man's nose. But I do see it and feel it as you feel doing thus, and see with all the instruments that feel. If it be so, we need no grave to bury honesty. There's not a grain of it, the face to sweeten of the whole dungy earth. What? Lack I credit? I had rather you did lack than I, my lord. Upon this ground and more, it would content me to have her honor true than your suspicion. Be blamed for it how you might. Why, what need we commune with you of this, but rather follow our forceful instigation? Our prerogative calls not your counsels, but our natural goodness imparts this, which if you, or stupefied or seeming so in skill, cannot or will not relish a truth like this, Inform yourselves we need no more of your advice. The matter, the loss, the gain, the ordering on't is all properly ours. And I wish, my liege, you had only in your silent judgment tried it without more overture. How could that be? Either thou art most ignorant by age, or thou wert born a fool. Camillo's flight added to their familiarity. 
which was as gross as ever touched conjecture, that lacked sight only, not for approbation, but only seeing all other circumstances made up to the deed doth push on this proceeding, yet for a greater confirmation, for in an act of this importance twere most piteous to be wild, I have dispatched in post the sacred Delphos to Apollo's temple. Cle Cleomenes, sorry, and Dion, whom you know or stuffed sufficiency, whom you know of stuffed sufficiency. Now, from the oracle they will bring all, whose spiritual counsel had shall stop or spur me. Have I done well? Well done, my lord. Though I am satisfied and need no more than what I know, yet shall the oracle give rest to the minds of others, such as he whose ignorant credulity will not come up to the truth. So have we thought it good from our free person she should be confined, lest that the treachery of the two fled hence be left her to perform. Come, follow us. We are to speak in public, for this business will raise all. To laughter, as I take it, if the good truth were known. Exit. Scene two, a prison. Enter Paulina, a gentleman, and attendants. The keeper of the prison. Call to him. Let him have knowledge who I am. Exit, gentlemen. Good lady, no court in Europe is too good for thee. What dost thou then in prison? Re-enter, gentlemen, with the jailer. Now, good sir, you know me, do you not? For a worthy lady, and one whom much I honor. Pray you then, conduct me to the queen. I may not, madam. To the contrary, I have expressed commandment. Here's a do to lock up honesty and honor from the access of gentle visitors. It's lawful, pray you, to see her women. Any of them? Amelia? So please you, madam, to put apart these your attendants. I shall bring Amelia forth. I pray you. I pray now. Call her. Withdraw yourselves. Exit. Gentlemen and attendants. And madam, I must be present at your conference. Well, be it so. Pretty. Exit jailer. Here's such a do to make no stain, a stain as passes coloring. Re-enter jailer with Amelia. Dear gentlewoman, how fares our gracious lady? As well as one so great and so forlorn may hold together on her frights and griefs, which never tender lady hath borne greater. She is something before her time delivered. A boy? A daughter, and, and a goodly babe, lusty and like to live. The queen receives much comfort in it, says, My poor prisoner, I am as innocent as you. I dare be sworn. These dangerous, unsafe loons of the king beshrew them. He must be told on it, and he shall. The office becomes a woman best. I'll take it upon me. If I prove honey-mouthed, let my tongue blister and never to my red-looked anger be the trumpet any more. Pray you, Amelia, commend my best obedience to the queen. If she dares trust me with her little babe, I'll show it the king and undertake to be her advocate to the loudest. We do not know how he may soften at the sight of the child. The silence often of pure innocence persuades when speaking fails. Most worthy madam, your honor and your goodness is so evident 
that your free undertaking cannot miss a thriving issue. There is no lady living, so meet for this great errand. Please your ladyship to visit the next room. I'll presently acquaint the queen of your most noble offer, who but today hammered of this design, but durst not tempt a minister of honor, lest she should be denied. Tell her, Amelia. I'll use that tongue I have. If wit flow from it, as boldness from my bosom, let not be doubted, I shall do good. Now be you blessed for it. All to the queen, please you, come something nearer. Madam, if it please the queen to send the babe, I know not what I shall incur to pass it, having no warrant. You need not fear it, sir. This child was prisoner to the womb, and is by law and process of great nature thence freed and enfranchised. Not a party to the anger of the king, nor guilty of, if any be, the trespass of the queen. I do believe it. Do not you fear? Upon mine honor, I will stand betwixt you and danger. Exit. Scene three, a room in Leontes' palace. Enter Leontes, Antigonus, lords, and servants. Nor night, nor day, nor rest. It is but weakness to bear the matter thus, mere weakness. If the cause were not in being part of the cause, she's the adulteress. For the harlot king is quite beyond mine arm. Out of the blank and level of my brain, plot, proof, but she, I can hook to me. Say that she were gone, given to the fire, a moiety of my rest might come to me again. Who's there? My lord. How does the girl? She took good rest tonight. Tis hoped her sickness is discharged. See her nobleness. Conceiving the dishonor of her mother, she straight declined, drooped, took it deeply, fastened and fixed the shame on in herself, threw off her spirit, her appetite, her sleep, and downright languished. Leave me solely. Go. See how she fares. Fie. Fie. No thought of her. The thought of my revenges that way. Recoil upon me. Herself. And in his, her parties, her, oh, in his, his parties, his, his alliance, let him be until a time may serve for present vengeance. Take it on her. Camillo and Polixenes laugh at me, make their pastime of my sorrow. They should not laugh if I could reach them, nor shall she within my power. Enter Polina with a child. You must not enter. Nay, rather, good my lords, be second to me. Fear you his tyrannous passion more, alas, than the queen's life? A gracious, innocent soul, more free than he is jealous. That's enough. Madam, Ma he hath not slept tonight, commanded none should come at him. Not so hot, good sir. I come to bring him sleep. To such as you that creep like shadows by him and do sigh at each his needless heavings. Such as you nourish the cause No. No. From sleep. What noise there, ho? No noise, my lord. <clears throat> uh, how? Away with this, that audacious lady. Antigonus, I charge thee that she should not come about me. I knew she would. I told her so, my lord. On your displeasure's peril and on mine, she should not visit you. What, canst not rule her? 
from all dishonesty, he can, in this, unless he take the course that you have done, commit me for committing honor. Trust it, he shall not rule me. Lie you now, you hear. When she will take the rein, let her run, but she'll not stumble. Good my liege, I come, and I beseech you hear me, who professes myself your loyal servant, your physician, your most obedient counsellor, yet that dares less appear so in comforting your evils than such as most seem yours. I say, I come from your good queen. Good queen. Good queen, my lord, good queen. I say, good queen, and would by combat make her good, so were I a man, the worst about you. Force her hence. Let him that makes but trifles of his eyes first hand me. On my own accord, I'll off. But first, I'll do my errand. The good queen, for she is good, hath brought you forth a daughter. Here tis. Commends it to your blessing. Laying down the child. Out. A mankind witch. Hence with her out or door. A most intelligencing bod. Not so. I am as ignorant in, in that as you, in so entitling me, and no less honest than you are mad, which is enough, I'll warrant, as this world goes to pass for honest. Craters, will you not push her out? Give her the bastard, thou dotard. Thou art women tired, unroosted by the dame partlet here. Take up the bastard. Take it up, I say, give it till I crone. Forever unvenerable be thy hands if thou takest up the princess by that forced baseness which he has put upon t He dreads his wife. So I would you did. Then, for past all doubt, you'll call your children yours. A nest of traitors. I am none by this good light. Nor I, nor any but one that's here, and that's himself. For he, the sacred honor of himself, his queens, his hopeful daughters, his babes, betrays to slander, whose sting is sharper than the swords and will not, for as the case now stands, it is a curse. He cannot be compelled to it. Once remove the root of his opinion, which is rotten as ever oak or stone was sound. A call cat of boundless tongue, who late hath beat her husband and now baits me. This brat is none of mine. It is the issue of Polixenes. Hence with it, and together with the dam, commit them to the fire. It is yours. And, might we lay the old proverb to your charge, so like you, tis the worse. Behold, my lords, although the print be little, the whole matter and copy of the father, eye, nose, lip, the trick of frown, the forehead, nay, the valley, the pretty dimples of his chin and cheek, his smiles, the very mold and frame of hand, nail, finger, and thou, good goddess nature, which hast made so like to him that got it, if thou hast the ordering of the mind too, amongst all colors, no yellow int, lest she suspect as he does, her children, not her husband's. A gross hag, and losel, thou art worthy to be hanged, thou wilt not stay her tongue. Hang all the husbands that cannot do that feat. You'll leave yourself hardly one subject. Once more, take <laughs> her hence. A most unworthy and unnatural lord can do no more. I have, I'll have thee burnt. I care not. 
It is an heretic that makes the fire, not she which burns it. I'll not call you tyrant, but this most cruel usage of your queen, not able to produce more accusation than your own weak hinged fancy, something savors of tyranny. And will ignoble make you, yea, scandalous to the world. On your allegiance, out of the chamber with her. Were I a tyrant, where were her life? She durst not call me so if she did not know me one. Away with her! I pray you, do not push me! I'll be gone. Look to your babe, my lord. Tis yours. Jove sent her a better guiding spirit. What needs these hands? You that are thus so tender o'er his follies will never do him good. Not one of you. So, so farewell. We are gone. Exit. Thou, traitor, hast set on thy wife to this, my child. Away with it. Even thou that hast a heart so tender o'er it, take it hence and see it instantly consumed with fire. Even thou and none but thou, take it up straight. Within this hour, bring me word tis done. And by good testimony, or I'll seize thy life with what thou el el else callst thine. If thou refuse and wilt encounter with my wrath, say so. <clears throat> the bastard brains with these proper hands shall I go, take it to the fire, for thou settest on thy wife. I did not. Sir, these lords, my noble fellows, if they please, can clear me in it. We can, my royal liege. He is not guilty of her coming hither. You are liars all. Beseech your highness, give us better credit. We have always truly served you and beseech you so to esteem of us. And on our knees we beg, as recompense of our dear services, past and to come, that you do so change this purpose, which being so horrific, so bloody, must lead on some foul We all kneel. I am a feather for each minute that blows. Shall I live on to see this bastard kneel and call me father? Better burn it now than curse it then. But be it, let it live. It shall not, neither you, sir, come you hither. You that have been so tenderly officious with Lady Marjorie, your midwife there, to save this bastard's life, for tis a bastard, so sure as this beard's gray. It's, what will you adventure to save this brat's life? Anything, my lord, that my ability may undergo and nobleness imposed, at least thus much, upon the little blood which I have left to save the innocent, Anything possible. It shall be possible. Swear by this sword thou wilt perform my bidding. I will, my lord. Mark and perform it, seest thou. For the fail of any point in't shall not only be the death of thyself, but to thy lewd-tongued wife, whom with this time we pardon, whom for this time we pardon. We enjoin thee, as thou art liege man to us, that thou carry this female bastard hence, and that thou bear it to some remote and desert place, quite out of our dominions, and that there thou leave without more mercy to its own protection and favor of the climate, as by strange fortune it came to us, I do in justice charge thee on thy soul's peril and thy body's torture, that thou commend it strangely to some place where chance may nurse it or end it. 
Take it up. I swear to do this. Go up. That's my line. Your line. Sorry. I swear <laughs> to do this. Though present death had been more merciful. Come on, poor babe. Some powerful spirit instruct the kites and ravens to be thy nurses. Wolves and bears, they say, casting their savageness aside, have done like offices of pity. Sir, be prosperous in more than this deed does require, and blessing against this cruelty fight on thy side. Poor thing, condemned to loss. Exit with the child. No, I'll not rear another's issue. Enter a servant. Yep, Tori. Yep. Please, your highness, posts from those you sent to the oracle are come an hour since. And Zion, being well arrived from Delphos, are both landed, hasting to the court. Oh, please you, sir, their speed hath been beyond account. Twenty-three days they have been absent. Tis good speed, foretells the great Apollo suddenly will have the truth of this appeal. Prepare you, lords. Summon a session that we may arraign our most disloyal lady. For as she hath been publicly accused, so shall she have a just and open trial. While she is, my heart will be a burden to me. Leave me and think upon my bidding. Exit. Act three, scene one, a seaport in Sicilia. Enter Cleomenes and Dion. The climate's delicate, the air most sweet. Fertile the isle, the temple much surpassing the common praise it bears. I shall report, for it caught me, the celestial habits, methinks I should so term them, and the reverence of the grave wearers. Oh, the sacrifice. How ceremonious, solemn, and unearthly it was in the offering. But of all the burst, and the ear-deafening voice of the oracle, Kinta Jove's thunder so surprised my sense that I was nothing. The event of the journey prove as successful to the queen, or be it so, as it hath been to us, rare, pleasant, speedy. The time is worth the use on. Ah, great Apollo, turn all to the best. These proclamations so forcing faults upon Hermione I little like. The violent carriage of it will clear or end the business. When the oracle, thus by Apollo's great divine sealed up, shall the contents discover? Something rare even then will rush to knowledge. Go, fresh horses, and gracious be the issue. Exit. Scene two, a court of justice. Enter Leontes, lords, and officers. This session to our great grief <clears throat> pronounce, even pushes against our heart. The party tried the daughter of a king, our wife, and one of us too much beloved. Let us be clear of being tyrannous, since we are so openly since we so openly proceed in justice, which shall have due course even to the guilt or the purgation. Produce the prisoner. It is his highness's pleasure that the queen appear in person here in court. Silence. Enter Hermione guarded, Paulina and ladies attending. Read the indictment. Hermione, queen to the worthy Leontis, king of Cecilia, Thou art here accused and arraigned of high treason in committing adultery with Polynixus, king of Bohemia, and conspiring with Camillo to take away the life 
for our sovereign Lord the King, thy royal husband, the pretense, wherefore being by circumstance partly laid open thou, Hermion, contrary to the faith and allegiance of a true subject, did his counsel and aid them, for their better safety to fly away by night. Since what I am about to say must be but that which contradicts my accu accusation and the testimony on my part, no other but what comes from myself, it shall scarce boot me to say not guilty. Mine integrity being counted falsehood shall, as I express it, be so received. But thus, if powers divine behold our human actions as they do, I doubt them, I doubt not then, but innocence shall make false accusation blush and tyranny tremble at patience. You, my Lord, best know who least will seem to do so. My past life hath been as continent, as chaste, as true, as I am now unhappy which is more than history can pattern, though devised and played to take spectators. For behold me, a fellow of the royal bed, which owe a moiety of the throne, a great king's daughter, the mother to a hopeful princess, here standing to prate and talk for life and honor for who please to come hear it for life? I prize it as I weigh grief, which I would spare. For honor, tis a derivative from me to mine, and only that I stand for. I appeal to your own conscience, sir. Before Polixenes came to your court, how I was in your grace how merited to be so since he came with what encounter so uncurrent i have strained to appear thus if one jote beyond the bound of honor or in act or will that way inclining hardened be the hearts of all that hear me and my nearest of kin cry fie upon my grave I ne'er heard yet that any of these bolder vices wanted less impudence to gainsay what they did than to perform it first. Tis true enough. Through tis a saying, sir, not due to me. You will not own it. More than mistress of which comes to me in name of fault, I must not at all acknowledge. To Polixenes, with whom I am accused, I do confess I loved him as in honor he required, which such a kind of love as might become a lady like me, with a love even such, so and no other as yourself commanded, which would not to have done, I think, had been in me both disobedience and ingratitude to you and toward your friend whose love had spoke ever since it could speak from an infant freely that it was yours. Now, for conspiracy, I know not how it tastes, though it be dished for me to try how. All I know of it is that Camilla was an honest woman, and why she left your court, the god themselves, 
wanting more, no more than I, are ignorant. You knew of his departure, as you know what you have undertaken to do in his absence. Sir, you speak a language I understand not. My life stands in the level of your dreams, which all lay down. Your actions are my dreams. You had a bastard by Polixenes, and I but dreamed it. As you were past all shame, those of your fact are so, so past all truth, which to deny concerns more than avails. For as thy brat hath been cast out like to thyself, no father owning it, which is indeed more criminal in thee than it, so thou shalt feel our justice, in whose easiest passage look for no less than death. Sir, spare your threats. The bug which you would fright me with, I seek. To me can life be no commodity, the crown and comfort of my life. Your favor. I do give lost. For I do feel it gone, but know not how it went. My second joy and first fruits of my body from their presence I am barred, like one infectious. My third comfort, starred most unluckily, is from my breast. The innocent milk in it most innocent mouth, hailed out to murder myself on every post, proclaimed a strumpet with immodest hatred. The childbed privilege denied, which longs to women of all fashion. And lastly, hurried here, to this place, in the open air, before I have got strength of limits. Now, tell me, my liege, what blessings have I here alive that I should fear to die? Oh, therefore proceed. <laughs> But yet, hear this, um, mistake me not, no life. I prize it, not a straw, before mine honor, which I would above all else. If I am to be condemned upon surmises, all proofs, sleeping, else but what your jealousies awake, I tell you tis rigor, not law. Your honor's all. I do refer me to the oracle. Apollo be my judge. This, your request, is altogether just. Thus, therefore, bring forth, and in Apollo's name, his oracle. Exit certain officers. The emperor of Russia was my father. Oh, that he were alive and here beholding his daughter's trial, that he did but see the flatness of my misery, yet with eyes of pity, not revenge. Re-enter officers with Cleomenes and Dion. You here shall swear upon the sword of justice that you, Cleomenes and Dion, have been both at Delphus, and from thence have brought the sealed up oracle by the hand delivered of great Apollo's priests, and that, since then, you have not dared to break the holy seal nor read of the secrets end. All this we swear. All this we swear. Break up the seals and read. Hermion is chaste. Polixenes blameless. Camillo a true subject. Leontes a jealous tyrant. 
whose innocent babe truly begotten, and the king shall live without an heir, if that which is lost be not found. Now blessed be the great Apollo. Praised. Hast thou read truth? Aye, my lord, even so as it is here set down. There is no truth at all in the oracle. This session, the session shall proceed. This is mere falsehood. Enter servant. Uh, my lord, the king, the king. What is the business? Oh, sir, I shall be hated to report it. My lady, your son, with mere, or my lady, your daughter, with mere conceit and fear of the queen's speed is gone. How gone? Is dead. Apollo's angry, and the heavens themselves do strike at my injustice. How now there? This news is mortal to the queen. Look down and see what death is doing. Take her hence. Her heart is but o'ercharged. She will recover. I have too much believed mine own suspicion. Beseech you tenderly apply to her some remedies for life. Exit Polina and ladies with Hermione. Apollo, pardon my great profaneness against thine oracle. I, I'll reconcile me to Polixenes. New woo my queen, recall the good Camillo, whom I proclaim a man of truth, of mercy for being transported by my jealousies to bloody thoughts and to revenge. I chose Camillo for the minister to poison my friend Polixenes, which had he done but that the good mind of Camillo tardy my swift command, though I with death and with reward did threaten and encourage him, not doing it and being done, he most humane and filled with honor to my kingly guest unclasped my practice, quit his fortunes here, which you, which you knew great and to the hazard of all uncertainties himself commanded, no richer than his honor, how he glisters through my rust and how his pity does my deeds make the, make the blacker. Woe the while. Oh, cut my lace, lest my heart cracking it break too. What fit is this, good lady? What study torments tyrant has for me? What wheels, racks, fires? What flame, boiling in leads or oils? What old or newer torture must I receive, whose every word deserves to taste of thy most worst? Thy tyranny. Together working with thy jealousies, fancies too weak for boys, too green and idle for girls of nine. Oh, think what they have done, and then run mad indeed, stark mad. For all thy bygone fooleries were but spices of it. That thou betrayest Polixenes, t'was nothing. That did but show thee of a fool, inconstant and damnable and grateful. Nor was much that wouldst have poisoned good Camillo's honor to have him kill a king. Poor trespasses, more monstrous standing by, whereof I reckon the casting forth to crows, thy baby daughter to be, or none, or little, though a devil would have shed fire out of water ere dunt, nor is directly laid to thee the death of the young princess, 
whose honorable thoughts, thoughts high for one so tender, cleft the heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire, blemished her gracious dam. This is not, no, laid to thy answer but the last. O Lodge, when I have said, cry, woe, the queen, the queen, the sweetest, dearest creature's dead. And vengeance for it not dropped down yet. The higher powers forbid. I say she's dead, I'll swear it. If word nor oath prevail not, go and see. If you can bring tincture or luster in her lip, her eye, heat outwardly, or breath within, I'll serve you as I would do the gods. But oh, thou tyrant. Do not repent these things, for they are heavier than all thy woes can stir. Therefore betake thee to nothing but despair. A thousand knees, ten thousand years together, naked, fasting upon a barren mountain, and still winter and storm perpetual, could not move the gods to look that way thou wert. Go on, go on, thou canst not speak too much. I have deserved all tongues to talk their bitterest. Say no more. Howe'er the business goes, you have made fault in the boldest of your speech. I'm sorry for it. All faults I make when I shall come to know them, I do repent. Alas, I have showed too much the rashness of a woman. He is touched to the noble heart. What's gone and what's past help should be past grief. Do not receive affliction at my petition, I beseech you. Rather, let me be punished that have minded you of what you should forget. Now, good my liege. Sir, royal, sir, forgive a foolish woman. The love I bore your queen. <laughs> Little fool again. I'll speak of her no more, nor of your children. I'll not remember you of my own lord, who is lost too. Take your patience to you, and I'll say nothing. I did speak but well when most the truth, which I receive much better than to be pitied of you. Prithee, bring me to the dead bodies of my queen and daughter. One grave shall be for both. Upon them shall the causes of their death appear unto our shame perpetual. Once a day I'll visit the chapel where they lie, and tears shed there shall be my recreation. So long as nature will bear up with its exercise, so long I daily vow to use it. Come, lead me unto these sorrows. Excellent. Scene three, Bohemia, a desert country near the sea. Enter Antigonus with a child and a mariner. Thou art perfect then. Our ship hath touched upon the deserts of Bohemia. Ay, my lord, and fear we have landed in ill time. The skies look grimly and threaten present blusters. In my conscience, the heavens that what we have in hand are angry and frown upon us. Their sacred wills be done. Go, get aboard. Look to thy bark. I'll not be long before I call upon thee. Make your best haste, and go not too far the land. Tis like to be loud weather. Besides, this place is famous for the creatures of prey that keep upon it. 
Go that way. I'll follow instantly. I'm glad at heart to be so rid of the business. Exit. Come, poor babe. I have heard, but not believed the spirits of the dead may walk again, if such thing be. Thy mother appeared to me last night, for ne'er was dream so like a waking. To me comes a creature, sometimes her head on one side, some another. I never saw a vessel of like sorrow, so filled and so becoming, in pure white robes, like very sanctity she did approach, my cabin where I lay. Thrice bowed before me, and gasping to begin some speech, her eyes became two spouts. The fury spent anon did this break from her. Good Antigonus, since fate against thy better disposition hath made thy person for the thrower out of my poor babe, according to thine oath, places remote enough are in Bohemia, there weep and leave it crying, and for the babe is counted lost forever. Perdita, I prithee call it. For this ungentle business put on thee by my lord. Thou ne'er shalt see thy wife Paulina more. And so, with shrieks, she melted into the air. Affrighted much, I did in time collect myself and thought this was so and no slumber. Dreams are toys. Yet for this once, yea, superstitiously, I will be squared by this. I do believe Hermione hath, suffer, hath suffered death, and that Apollo would, this being indeed the issue of King Polixenes, should here be laid, either for life or death, upon the earth of its right father. Blossom, speed thee well. There lie, and there thy character. There these, which may, if fortune please, both breed thee pretty, and still rest thine. The storm begins, poor wretch, and still rest thine. Oh, I'm, so the storm begins, poor wretch, that for thy mother's fault art thus exposed to loss, and what may follow? Weep I cannot, but my heart bleeds, and most accursed am I to be by oath enjoined to this. Farewell. The day frowns more and more. I would like to have a lullaby too rough. I never saw the heavens so dim by day. Oh, a savage clamor. Well, I may get aboard. This is the chase. I'm gone forever. It, pursued by bear. Enter a shepherd. <laughs> Guys, who's the shepherd? Oh, actually, the bear is the shepherd, I think. <laughs> Where were we? The, you're the shepherd, right? Yep. Okay, so... Sweet. <laughs> Pause while the bear re-enters human form for a moment. It's <laughs> cool. It's cool. <clears throat> I would there were no age between ten and three and twenty or that use, 
would sleep out the rest, for there is nothing in the between but getting wenches with child, wronging the ancient the ancientry, stealing, fighting. Hark you now. Would any but these boiled brains of nineteen and two and twenty hunt this weather? They have scared away two of my best sheep, which I fear the wolf will sooner find than the master. If anywhere I have them, if anywhere I have them, tis by the seaside, browsing of ivy. Good luck, and it be thy will. What have we here? Mercy on us! A bairn? A very pretty bairn. A boy or a child, I wonder. A pretty one. A very pretty one. Sure, some scape. Though I am not bookish, yet I can read waiting gentlewomen in the scape. This has been some stair work, some drunk work, some behind door work. They were warmer that got this than the poor thing is here. I'll take it up for pity. Yet I'll tarry till my son come. He hallowed, but even now. Wall, ho, wall. Enter clown. Hello, Aloha! What? Art so near? If thou see a thing to talk on when thou art dead and rotten, come hither. What ails thou, man? I have seen two such sights, by sea and by land. But I am not to say it is a sea, for now the sky, betwixt the finment, and you cannot thrust it a bondskin's point. Why, boy, how is it? I would you did but see how it chafes, how it rages, how it takes up the shore. But that is not the point. Oh, the most piteous cry of those poor souls. Sometimes to see him and not to see him. And now the ship boring the moon with her main mast. And anon swallowed with yeast and frost as you doth thrust a cork into a hogshead. And then for the land service to see how the bear tore out his shoulder bone, how he cried for me to help and said his name was Antagonist, a nobleman. But to make an end of the ship, to see how the sea flap dragoned it, but first how the poor soul roared and the sea mocked them and how the poor gentleman roared and the bear mocked him, both roaring louder than the sea or the weather. Oh, name of mercy, where, when was this boy? Now, now, I have not winked since I saw these sights. The men are not yet cold under the water, nor the bear half dined on the gentleman. He's at it now. Ugh. Would I had been biased to have helped the old man? I would you had been by the ship's side to have helped her. There your charity would have been lacked footing. Heavy matters, heavy matters. But look thee here, boy. Now bless thyself. Thou midst with things dying, with I with things newborn. Here's a sight for thee. Look thee, a barren cloth for a squire's child. Look thee here. Take up, take up, boy. Open it. So, let's see. It was told me I should be rich by the fairies. This is some changeling. Open it. What's within, boy? You're a maid, old man. If the sins of your youth are forgiven you, you're well to live. 
Gold, all gold. Oh, 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 this is fairy gold, boy, and twill prove so. Up with it, keep it close. Home, home, the next way. We are lucky, boy, and to be so still requires nothing but secrecy. Let my sheep go. Come, good boy, the next way home. Go you the next way with your findings. I'll go see if the bear be gone from the gentleman and how much he hath eaten. They are never cursed but when they are hungry. If there be any left of him, I'll bury it. That's a good deed. If thou mayst discern by that which is left of him what he is, fetch me to the side of him. Marry, I will, and you shall help to put him in the ground. Tis a lucky day, boy, and we'll do good deeds on it. Exempt. Act four, scene one, enter time, the chorus. Rebecca. Yes, sorry, I just wanted to make sure my mic was on. I that please some, try all, both joy and terror of good and bad, that makes and unfolds error, now take upon me, in the name of time, to use my wings. Impute it not a crime to me or my swift passage that I slide o'er sixteen years and leave the growth untried of that wide gap, since it is in my power to overthrow law and in one self-born hour to plant an o'erwhelm custom. Let me pass the same I am ere ancientest order was, or what is now received. I witness to the times that brought them in, so shall I do to the freshest things now reigning and make stale the glistering of this present, as my tale now seems to it. Your patience this allowing, I turn my glass, and give my scene such growing as you had slept between. Leontes leaving, the effects of his fond jealousies so grieving that he shuts up himself. Imagine me, gentle spectators, that I now may be in fair Bohemia, and remember well, I mentioned a son of the kings, which Florizel I now name to you, and with speed so paced to speak of Perdita, now grown in grace equal with wondering. What of her ensues, I list not prophecy, but let time's news be known when tis brought forth. A shepherd's daughter, and what to her adheres, which follows after, is the argument of time. Of this allow, if ever you have spent time worse ere now, if never, yet that time himself doth say, he wishes earnestly you never may. Scene two, Bohemia, Palace of Polixenes. Enter Polixenes and Camillo. I pray thee, good Camillo, be no more importunate. These, this tis a sickness denying thee anything, a death to grant this. It is fifteen years since I saw my country, though I have for the most part been aired abroad. I desire to lay my bones there. Besides, the penitent king, my master, has sent for me, to whose feeling sorrows I might be some allay, or I o'erween to think so, which is another spur to my departure. As thou lovest me, Camillo, wipe not out the rest of thy services by leaving me now. The need I have of thee, thine own goodness hath made. Better not to have had thee than thus to want thee. Thou, having made me businesses which none without thee can sufficiently manage, 
must either stay to execute them thyself or take away with thee the very services thou hast done, which if I have not enough considered as too much I cannot, to be more thankful to thee shall be my study and my profit therein the heaping friendships of that fatal country, Sicilia. Prithee, speak no more, whose very naming punishes me with the remembrance of that penitent, as thou callest him, and reconciled king, my brother, whose loss of his most precious queen and children are even now to be afresh lamented. Say to me, when sawest thou the, pr the prince Florizel, my son? Kings are no less unhappy, their issue not being gracious, than they are in the losing them when they have approved their virtues. Sir, it is three days since I saw the prince. What his happier affairs may be are to me unknown. But I have missingly noted he is of late much retired from court and is less frequent to his princely exercises than he formerly hath appeared. I have considered so much, Camillo, and with some care, so far that I have eyes under my service which look upon his removedness from whom I have this intelligence that he is seldom from the house of a most homely shepherd. A man, they say, that from very nothing and beyond the imagination of his neighbors is grown into an unspeakable estate. I have heard, sir, of such a man who hath a daughter of most rare note. The report of her is extended more than can be thought to begin from such a cottage. That's likewise part of my intelligence. But I fear the angle that plucks our son thither. Thou shalt accompany us to the place where we will, not appearing what we are, have some question with the shepherd, from whose simplicity I think it not uneasy to get the cause of my son's resort thither. Prithee, be my present partner in this business, and lay aside the thoughts of Cecilia. I willingly obey your command. My best Camillo, we must disguise ourselves. Excellent. <laughs> Scene three, a road near the shepherd's cottage. Enter Autolycus singing. When daffodils begin to peer with the hay, the doxy o'er the dale, why then comes in the sweet of the year with the red blood rains in the winter's pale, the sweet white sheet bleached on the hedge with hay, the sweet birds, oh, how they sting, doth set my pugging tooth on edge for a quart of ale as a dish for a king, the lark that tearalira chants. With hay, with hay, the thrush and the jay are summer songs for me and my ants. While we lie tumbling in the hay, Hey, uh, I have served Prince Florizel, and in my time wore three pile, but now I am out of service. But shall I go mourn for that, my dear? No, the pale moon shines by night, doo, doo, doo. and when I wander here and there, I then do go most right, right. If tinkers may have leave to live and bear the sow-skin budget, then my account I well may give. And in the stocks of pouches, <laughs> my traffic is sheets. When the kite builds, look to lesser linen. My father named me 
Autolycus, who, being as I am, littered under Mercury, was likewise a uh, <laughs> snatcher up mm. of Perseus and uh, unconsidered trifles. With dye and drab, I purchased this uh, comparison, and my revenue is the silly cheat. Gallows and knock are too powerful on the highway. Beating and uh, hanging are terrors. <laughs> uh, for the life to come, I sleep on the thought of it. Oh, a prize, a prize. Enter clown. Let me see. Every leaven wind weather tods. Every tod yields pound and odd shilling. 1,500 shorn, what comes the wool to? Oh, if the spring hold the cock's mine? <laughs> I cannot do it without counters, let me see. What am I to buy for our sheep shearing feast? Three pound of sugar, five pounds of currant rice. What will this sister of mine do with rice? But my father hath made her mistress of the feast and she lays it on. She hath made me four and 20 nosegays for the shearings, three man song men and all, and very good ones. But they are most of them means and bases but one Puritan among them, and he sings psalms to the hornpipes. I must have saffron to cover the warden pies, mace, dates, none, that's out of my note, uh, nutmegs, seven, a racer or two of ginger, but that I may beg, four pounds of prunes and as many raisins or the sun. Oh, that I was ever born. Groveling on the ground. In the name of me. <laughs> oh, help me! Help me! Pluck but off these rags, then death! Death! <laughs> thou hast need of more rags to lay on thee rather than have these off. Oh, sir! The loathsomeness of them that offends me more than the stripes I have received, which are mighty ones and millions. Oh, ow. Alas, poor man, a million of beatings may come to a great matter. I am robbed, sir, and beaten, my money and apparel taken from me, and these detestable things put upon me. What, by a horseman or a footman? A uh, footman, sweet sir, a footman. Indeed, he should have been a footman by the garments he has left with thee. If this be a horseman's coat, it hath seen very hot service. Lend me <clears> thy <throat> hand, I'll help thee. Come, lend me thy hand. Oh, good sir. Oh, Andy, oh. Ah, ooh. Poor soul. Oh, good sir, softly, softly, good sir. I Fear, sir, my shirt blade, ah, is out. How now, I can't stand. Oh, softly, dear sir, good sir, softly. Done me a charitable office. Dost thou lack any money? I have a little money for thee. Oh, no, no, good sweet sir, no. I beseech you, sir, I have a kinsman not past three quarters of a mile hence, uh, unto whom I was going. I shall there have money or anything I want. Offer me no money, I pray you. That kills my heart. What manner of fellow was he that robbed you? 
Ah, fellow sir, that I have known to go with troll my dames. I knew him once, a servant of the prince. I cannot tell, good sir, for which of his uh, virtues it was, but he was certainly whipped out of the court. Oh. His vices, you would say? There's no virtue whipped out of the court. They cherish it to make it stay there, and yet it will no more but abide. Vices, mm. I would say, sir. <laughs> I know this melt. He hath been since an ape-bearer, then a processor, then he compassed a motion of the prodigal son, and married a tinker's wife within a mile where my land and living lies, and having flown over many knavish professions, he settled only in rogue. Some call him Autolycus. Out upon him! Prig for my life, prig! He haunts wakes, fairs, and bear baitings. <laughs> Very true, sir. He, sir, he. That's the rogue that put me into this peril. Not a more cowardly rogue in all of Bohemia. Okay, if now you, come on. <laughs> if you had but looked big and spit at him, he'd have run. <laughs> I must confess to you, sir, I am no fighter. I am false of heart that way, and that he knew, I warrant him. How do you now? Sweet sir, much better than I was. I can stand and walk. <laughs> I will even take my leave of you and pay softly towards my kinsman. Shall I bring thee on the way? No, good face, sir. No, sweet sir. No. Then... Fare thee well. I must go buy spices for our sheep shearing. Oh. Prosper you, sweet sir! Exit clown. Your purse is not hot enough to purchase your spice. <laughs> I'll be with you at your sheep shearing, too, if I make not this cheat bring out another, and the shearers prove sheep. Hmm. Let me be unrolled, and my name put in the book of virtue. Jog on, jog on the footpath way, and merrily end the style. Ah, merry heart goes all the day, your sad tires in my life. Exit. Scene four, the shepherd's cottage. Enter Florizel and Perdita. These, your unusual weeds to each part of you do give a life. No shepherdess, but Flora, peering in April's front. This, your sheep shearing, is a meeting of the petty gods, and you, the queen aunt. Sir, my, my gracious lord, to chide at your extremes, is not, it not becomes me. Oh, pardon that I name them. Your high self, the gracious mark of the land, you have obscured with a swain's wearing, and, and me, poor lowly maid, most goddess-like, pranked up, but that our feasts in every mess have folly and the feeders digest it with a custom. I should blush to see you so attired, sworn, I think, to show myself a glass. I bless the time when my good falcon made her flight across thy father's ground. 
Now, Joe, before you cause, to me the difference forges dread. Your greatness hath not been used, hath not been used to fear. Even now I tremble to think of your father by some accident should pass this way as you did. Oh, the fates! How would he look to see his work so noble, vilely bound up? What would he say? Or how should I, in these borrowed flaunts, behold the sternness of his presence? Apprehend nothing but jollity. The gods themselves, humbling their deities to love, have taken the shapes of beasts upon them. Jupiter became a bull and, and bellowed. The green Neptune, a ram, and bleated, and the fire-robed god, golden Apollo, a poor, humble swain, as I seem now. Their transformations were never for a piece of beauty rarer, nor in a way so chaste, since my desires run not before mine honor, nor my lusts burn hotter than my faith. Oh, but, sir, your resolution cannot hold when tis opposed as it must be by the power of the king. One of these two must be necessities, which then will speak that you must change this purpose or my life. Now, dearest Perdita, with these forced thoughts, I prithee, darken not the mirth of the feast, or I'll be thine, my fair, or not my father's. For I cannot be mine own, nor anything to any, if I be not thine. To this I am most constant. Though destiny say no, be merry, gentle. Strangle such thoughts as these with anything that you behold the while. Your guests are coming. Lift up your countenance as it were the day of celebration of that nuptial which we two have sworn shall come. Oh, Lady Fortune, stand you auspicious. See, your guests approach. Address yourself to entertain them sprightly, and let's be red with mirth. And your shepherd, clown, Mopsa, Dorcas, and others with Polixenes and Camillo disguised. <clears throat> Tori. Oh, ah! I was on a roll. <laughs> Bye, daughter. When my old wife lived, upon this day she was both handler, butler, cook, both dame and servant, welcomed all, served all, would sing her song and dance her turn. Now here, at upper end of the table, now in the middle, on his shoulder, and his, her face afire, with labor and the thing she took to quench it, she would to each one sip. You are retired, as if you were a feasted one, and not the hostess of the meeting. Pray you bid these unknown friends to welcome, for it is a way to make us better friends, more known. Come, quench your blushes, and present yourself that which you are, mistress of the feast. Come on, and bid us welcome to your sheep shearing, as your good flock shall prosper. Sir, welcome. It is my father's will that I should take on me the hostess ship of the day. To Camillo. Welcome, sir. Give me those flowers there, Dorcas. Uh, reverend sirs, for you there's rosemary and rue. These keep 
steaming and savor all the winter long. Grace and remembrance be to you both and, and welcome to our shearing. Shepherdess, a fair one are you. Well you fit our ages with flowers of winter. Sir, the year growing ancient, not yet on summer's death, nor on the birth of trembling winter, the fairest flowers of the season, are our carnations and streaked gillivores, which some call nature's bastards, of that kind, our rustic gardens barren, and I care not to get slips of them. Wherefore, gentle maiden, do you neglect them? For I have heard it said there is an art in which their piedness shares with great creating nature. Say there be, yet nature is made better by no mean, by nature makes that mean. So over that art which you, which you say adds to nature is an art that nature makes. You see, sweet maid, we marry a gentler scion to the wildest stock and make conceive a bark of baser kind by bud of, no, of nobler race. This is an art which does mend nature, change it rather, but the art itself is nature. So it is. Then make your garden rich in gillivores and do not call them bastards. I'll not put the dibble in earth to set one slip of them. No more than where I painted, I would wish this youth should stay, should say twere well and only therefore desire to breed by me. Here's flowers for you, hot lavender, mince, savory, marjoram, the marigold that goes to bed with the sun and with him rises weeping. These are flowers of middle summer and I think they are given to men of middle age. You are very welcome. I should leave grazing where I have your flock and only live by gazing. <laughs> Out, alas! You'd be so lean that blasts of January would blow through and through. Now, my fairest friend, I would I had some flowers of the spring that might become time of day, become your time of day, and yours and yours that wear upon your virgin branches yet, your maiden heads growing. Oh, Prosperina, the flowers now that frighted thou lets fall from this wagon. Daffodils that come before the swallow dares and take the winds of March with beauty. Violets dim, but sweeter than the lids of Juno's eyes, or Syria's, Cytheria's breath, pale primroses that die unmarried ere they can behold, bite Phoebus in his strength, a malady most incident to maids, bold oxlips and the crown imperial, lilies of all kinds, the fleur de luce being one. Oh, these I lack to make your garlands of my sweet friend to strew him o'er and o'er. What, like a, like a course? No, like a bank for love to tie and play on. Not like a course. Or if not to be buried, but quick and in mine arms. Come, take your flowers. Methinks I play as I have seen them do in wits and pastorals. Sure, this robe of mine does change my disposition. What you do? Still betters what is done. When you speak, sweet, I'll have you do it ever. When you sing, I'll have you buy and sell. So, so give alms, pray so. And for the ordering your affairs to sing them to, when you do dance, I, I wish you uh, a wave of oh, the sea that you might ever do nothing but that uh, 
move still still so and own no other function each you're doing so singular in each particular crowns what you are doing in the present deed that all your acts are queens oh doricles your praises are too large but that your youth and the true blood which peepeth fairly through it do plainly give you out an unstained shepherd with with wisdom I might fear, my Doricles, you wooed me the false way. I think you have as little skill to fear as I have purpose to put you on, to put you to. Uh, but, but come, our dance, I pray, your hand, my Perdita, so turtles pair that never mean to part. I'll swear for him. This is the prettiest low-born lass that ever ran on the green sword. Nothing she does or seems but smacks of something greater than herself. Too noble for this place. He tells her something that makes her blood look out. <laughs> Good sooth, she is the queen of curds and cream. Come on, strike up! Mopsa must be your mistress. Marry garlic to mend her kissing with. Now in good time. Not a word, not a word. We stand upon our matters. Come, strike up! Music. Here a dance of shepherd and shepherdesses. <laughs> Pray, good shepherd, what fair swain is this which dances with your daughter? They call him Doricles, and boasts himself to have a worthy feeding. But I have it upon his own report, and I believe it. He looks like Stooth. He says he loves my daughter. I think so, too, for never gaze the moon upon the water as he'll stand and read as twere my daughter's eyes. And to be plain, I think there is not half a kiss to choose who loves another best. She dances featly. So she does anything, though I report it, that should be silent. If young Doricles do light upon her, she shall bring him that which he not dreams of. Enter servant. Oh, master, if you did but hear the peddler at the door, you would never dance again after a tabor and pipe. No, the bagpipe could not move you. He sings several tunes faster than you'll tell money. He utters them as he had eaten ballads, and all men's ear grew to his tunes. He could never come better. He shall come in. I love a ballad, but even too well, if it be doleful, matter merrily set down or a very pleasing thing indeed, and sung lamentably. He hath songs for man or woman. Of all sizes, no milliner can so fit his customers with gloves. He has the prettiest love songs for maids, so without baudry, which is strange, with such delicate burthens of dildos and fadings, jump her and thump her, and where some stretch-mouthed rascal would, as it were, mean mischief and break a foul gap into the matter. He makes a maid to answer, whoop, do me no harm, good man, puts them off, slights them with whoop, do me no harm, good man. This is a brave fellow. Believe me, thou talkest of an admirable conceited fellow. Has he any unbraided wares? He hath ribbons of and the colors in the rainbow, points more than all the lawyers in Bohemia can learnedly handle, though they come to him by the gross inkles, cadences, cambrics, lawns. Why, he sings them over as they were gods or goddesses. You would think a smock were a
quickly bring him in and let him approach singing. Forewarn him that he used no scurrilous words in his tunes. He's a servant. You have of these peddlers that have more in them than you think, sister. Aye, good brother, or go about to think. Enter Autolycus, singing. Ooh, lawn as white as driven snow, cypress. Oh, no. Black as there will grow, gloves as sweet as damask roses, mask. For my lads to give their dears pins and poking sticks of meat, come, my lads, or else your lasses cry. Come by. If I were not in love with Mopsa, thou should take no money of me. But being enthralled as I am, mm. it would also be but the bondage of certain ribbons and gloves. I was promised them against the feast, but they come not too late now. He hath promised you more than that, or there be liars. He hath paid you all he promised you. Maybe he has paid you more, which will shame you to give him again. Is there no manners left among maids? Will they wear their plackets where they should bear their faces? Is it not milking time when you are going to bed or kiln home to whistle off these secrets, but you must be tiddling tattling before all of our guests? Tis well they are whispering, clamor your tongues and not a word more. I have done. Come, you promised me a tawdry lace and a pair of sweet gloves. Have I not told thee how I was cozened, by the way, and lost all of my money? And indeed, sir, there our cousin is abroad. Therefore, it behooves men to be wary. Fear <laughs> not, thou man, thou shalt lose nothing here. I hope so, sir, for I have about me many parcels of charge. What hast <laughs> here, ballads? Mm. Pray now, buy some. I love a ballad and print a life, for then we are sure they are true. Oh, well. Here's one to a very doleful tune. How is a usurer's wife was brought to bed of 20 money bags at a burthen, and how she longed to eat at his heads and toads carbonelled? Is it true, think you? Oh, very true, and but a month old. Bless me for marrying a usurer. Here's the midwife's name to it. One mistress, tail porter, and Five or six honest wives that were present. Why should I carry lies abroad? Pray you now buy it. Come on, lay it by, and let's first see Mo Ballads. We'll buy the other things anon. Oh, all right. Uh, all right. Uh, here's another ballad of a fish that appeared upon the coast of Wednesday the fourth. A score of April, 40,000 fathoms above water, and sung this ballad against the hard hearts of maids. It was thought she was a woman and was turned into a cold fish, for she would not exchange flesh with that one that loved her. Oh, the ballad is very pitiful and as true. Is it true, too, think you? Justice's hands at it, and witnesses more than my pack will hold. Lay it by to another. Oh, right, sir. Hmm. Uh, ah, 
this is a passing merry one. And goes to the tune of Two Maids Wooing a Man. There's scarce a maid westward, but she sings it. Tis in request, I can tell you. Hmm? We can both sing it. If thou wilt bear a part, thou shalt hear. Tis in three parts. We had the tune on a month ago. Oh, I can bear my part. You must know, tis my occupation. Have at it with you. <clears throat> it's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since. To get that together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. You realize it's all my fault, but what could I do? Yesterday you've given me, but it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now and watch the hood wink. I'll make you stop think. You think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish. Although I like the jelly swish, I like the sushi cuts. It's never touch a frying pan. Ha! Like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Think like Leanne rhymes. Because I'm all about value. Bert Camper's got the mad hits. You try to match which. You try to hold me, but I bust through. I think I make a break and take a pick. I like a stink and make a chicken. I like vanilla. It's the finest of the flavors. Gotta see the showbiz and you know the vertigo is gonna grow because it's so dangerous you'll have to sign a waiver. Now can I help it if I think you're funny when you're mad? Drown out, smile, or feel bad. I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral. Can't understand what I mean, well, you soon will. I have a tendency to wear my mind on my sleeve. I have a history of losing my shirt. <sighs> Get you hence, for I must go. Where it fits not for you to know. <clears throat> Dorcas? Am I saying where, that right, Dorcas? <laughs> yes. Sorry, where mm -hmm. are you? Right after my line. <laughs> oh, you want me <laughs> Sorry. Wither? Oh, wither. Oh. Wither? It becomes mm -hmm. thy oath full well, thou to me thy secrets tell. Me too, let me go thither. Or thou goest to the orange or mill. If to either thou dost ill. Uh, neither. What, neither? Uh, neither. Mm -mm. Thou hast sworn my love to be. Huh? Thou hast sworn it more to me. Then whither goest? Say, whither? We'll have this song out and on by ourselves. My father and the gentlemen are sad in talk and will not trouble them. Come, bring away thy pack after me. Wenches, I'll buy for you both. Peddler, let's have the first one. Follow uh... me. Exit with Dorcas and Mopsa. And you shall pay well for him. <laughs> Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. You get a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Watch the next file to the light song. The guy in the main song. Re-enter servant. Master, there's three carters, three shepherds, three neat herds, three swine herds that have made themselves all men of hair. They call themselves saltiers, and they have a dance which the wenches say is a galimifro of gambles, but they are not in it, but they themselves are of the mind. If it be not too rough for some that know little, but bowling it will please plentifully. Oh, way, we'll none on it. Here has been too much homely foolery already. I know, sir, we weary you. You weary those that refresh us. Pray, let's see these four threes of herdsmen. One three of them, by their own reports, sir, hath danced before the king, and not the worse of the three, but jumps twelve foot and a half by the squire. I believe you're prating. Since these good men are pleased, let them come in, but quickly now. 
Why, they stay at door, sir. Exit. Hear a dance of twelve satyrs. Oh, uh, Father, you'll know more of that hereafter. To Camillo. Is it not too far gone? Tis time to part them. He's simple and tells much. To Florizel. How now, fair shepherd? Your heart is full of something that does take your mind from feasting. Soothe, when I was young and handed love as you do, I was wont to load my she with knacks. I would have ransacked the peddler's silken treasury and have poured it to her acceptance. You have let him go and nothing martyred with him. If your last interpretation should abuse and call this your lack of love or bounty, you were straighted for a reply, at least if you make a care of happy holding her. Hold, sir, I know she prizes not such trifles as these are. The gifts she looks from me are, are packed and locked up in my heart, which I have given already but not delivered. Oh, hear me breathe my life before this ancient sir, who it should seem hath sometime loved. I take thy hand, this hand, as soft as doves down and as white as it, or uh, Ethiopian's tooth, or the fan snow that's bolted by the northern blast twice o'er. What follows this? How prettily the young swain seems to watch the hand was fair before. I have put you out, but to your protestation, let me hear what you profess. Do, and be witness to it. And this is my neighbor too. And he, and more than he, and, and men, the earth, the, the heavens, and all, that were I crowned the most imperial monarch, thereof most worthy, were I the fairest youth that ever made eyes swerve, had force and knowledge more than it was ever man's, I would not prize them without her love. For her employ them all, commend them and condemn them to her, her service or to their own perdition. Fairly offered. This shows a sound affection. <laughs> but my daughter, say you the like to him? I cannot speak so well. Nothing so well, nor no, nor mean better. By the pattern of mine own thoughts, I cut out the purity of his. Take hands, a bargain, and friends unknown, you shall bear witness to it. I give my daughter to him and will make her portion equal to his. <laughs> that must be in the virtue of your daughter, one being dead, I shall have more than you can dream of yet. Enough, enough then for your wonder. But come on, contract us for these witnesses. Come, your hand, and, and daughter, yours. Stop, Swain, a while. Beseech you, have you a father? I have, but what of him? Knows he of this? He neither does nor shall. <laughs> Methinks... A father is at the nuptial of his son, a guest that best becomes the table. Pray you once more, is not your father grown and capable of reasonable affairs? Is he not stupid with age and altering rooms? Can he speak, hear, no man from man, dispute his own estate? Lies he not bedrid, and again does nothing, but what he did being childish? No, good sir, he has his health and ampler strength indeed than most have of his age. By my white beard, 
you offer him, if this be so, a wrong something unfilial. Reason, my son. Reason, my son, to choose himself a wife. But as good reason, the father, all whose joy is nothing else but fair posterity, should hold some counsel in such a business. I yield all this. But for some other reasons, my grave, sir, which tis not fit you know, I not acquaint my father of this business. Let him know it. He shall not. <laughs> Prithee, let him. No, he must not. Let him, my son. He shall not need to grieve at knowing of thy choice. Come, come. He must not mark our contract. Mark your divorce, young sir. Discovering himself. <laughs> Whom a son I dare not call Thou art too base to be acknowledged Thou a scepter's heir That thus affectest a sheep hook Thou old traitor I am sorry that by hanging thee I can but shorten thy life one week And thou Fresh piece of excellent witchcraft Who of force must know the royal foot Thou copest with Oh my heart I'll have thy beauty scratched with briars and made more homely than thy state. For thee, fond boy, if I may ever know thou dost but sigh, that thou no, no more shalt see this knack, as never, I, as never I mean thou shalt, we'll bar thee from succession, not hold thee of our blood, no, not our kin. Far then, Ducalion off, mark thy my words, follow us to the court, thou churl, for this time, Thou full of our displeasure, yet we free thee from the dead blow of it. And you, enchantment, worthy enough a herdsman, yea, him too that makes himself, but for our honor therein, unworthy thee. If ever henceforth thou these rural latches to his entrance open, or hoop his body more with thy embraces, I will devise a death as cruel for thee as thou art tender to it. Exit. Even here undone? I was not much afeard, for once or twice I was about to speak and tell him plainly, the self-same sun that shines upon his court hides not his visage from our cottage, but looks on alike. Will it please you, sir, be gone? I told you what would come of this. Beseech you of your own state, take care. This dream of mine being now awake, I'll queen it no inch further, but milk my ewes and weep. Why, how now, father? Speak ere thou diest. I cannot speak, nor think, nor dare to know that which I know. Oh, sir, you have undone a man of fourscore three that thought to fill his grave in quiet, yea, to die upon the bed my father died to lie close by this, uh, by his honest bones. But now some hangman must put on my shroud and lay me where no priest shovels in dust. Oh, cursed wretch that knew this was the prince and wouldst adventure to mingle faith with him. Undone, undone. If I might die within this hour, I have lived to die when I desire. Exit. Why look you so upon me? I am but sorry, not afeard. Delayed, but nothing altered. What I was, I am. 
more straining on for plucking back, not following my leash unwillingly. Gracious my lord, you know your father's temper. At this time, he will allow no speech, which I do guess you do not purpose to him. And as hardly will he endure your sight as yet, I fear. Then till the fury of his highness settle, come not before him. I not propose it. I think, Camillo. Even he, my lord. How often have I told you twould be thus? How often said my dignity would last but till twere known? It cannot fail but by the violation of my faith. And then let nature crush the sides of the earth together and mar the seeds within. Lift up thy looks. From my succession wipe me, father. I am heir to my affection. Be advised. I am. And by my fancy, if my reason will thereto to be obedient, I have reason, if not my senses, better pleased with madness do bid it welcome. This is desperate, sir. So call it. But it does fulfill my vow. I needs must think it honesty, Camillo, not for Bohemia, nor the pomp that may be thereat gleaned, for all the sun sees, or the closed earth wombs, or the profound sea hides in unknown fathoms, will I break my oath to this, my fair beloved. Therefore, I pray you, as you have ever been my father's honored friend, when he shall miss me, as in faith I mean not to see him any more, cast your good counsels upon his passion. Let myself and fortune tug for the time to come. This you may know and so deliver. I am put to sea with her whom I cannot hold on shore. And most opportune to our need, I have a vessel rides fast by, but not prepared for this design. What course I mean to hold shall nothing benefit your knowledge, nor concern me for the, uh, the reporting. Oh, my lord. I would your spirit were easier for advice or stronger for your need. Hark, Perdita. Drawing her aside. I'll hear you by and by. Easy removable. Resolved for flight. Now were I happy. If his going I could frame to serve my turn, save him from danger. Do him love and honor. Purchase the sight again of dear Cecilia and that unhappy king, my master, whom I so much thirst to see. Now, good Camillo, I, I am so fraught with curious business that I leave out ceremony. Sir, I think you have heard of my poor services and the love that I have borne your father. Very nobly have you deserved. It is my father's music to speak your deeds, not little of his care to have them recompensed as thought on. Well, my lord, if you may please to think I love the king, and through him what is nearest to him, which is your grace yourself, embrace but my direction. If your more ponderous and settled project may suffer alteration on mine honor, I'll point you highness, where you may enjoy your mistress from the whom I see there's no disjunction to be made, but by, and heavens forfend, your ruin. Marry her, and with my best endeavors in your absence, your discontenting father, strive to qualify and bring him up. 
how Camillo may this almost a miracle be done that I may call thee something more than man and after that trust to thee. Hello? How, Camillo, may this almost a miracle be done that I may call thee something more than man and after that trust to thee? Have you thought on a place whereto you'll go? Not any yet, but as the unthought-on accident is, is guilty to what we wildly do, so we profess ourselves to be slaves of chance and, and flies of every wind that blows. Then listen to me. This follows. If you will not change your purpose but undergo this flight, make for Sicilia, and there present yourself and your fair princess, for so I see she must be, for Leontes. She shall be habited as it becomes the partner of your bed. Methinks I see Leontes opening his free arms and weeping his welcomes forth. Ask thee the son forgiveness, as twere in the father's person. Kisses the hands of your fresh princess. O'er and o'er divides him twixt his unkindness and his kindness. The one he chides to hell and bids the other grow faster than thought or time. Worthy Camillo. What color for my visitation shall I hold up before him? Sent by the king, your father, to greet him and to give him comforts. Sir, the manner of your bearing towards him, with what you, as from your father, shall deliver, things known betwixt us three, I'll write you down. The which shall point you forth at every sitting what you must say, that he shall not perceive, but that you have your father's bosom there and speak his very heart. I am bound to you. There is some sap in this. A cause more promising than a wild dedication of yourselves to unpathed waters, undreamed shores, most certain to miseries enough. No hope to help you, but as you shake off one to take another, nothing so certain as your anchors, who do their best office if they can but stay you where you'll be loath to be. Besides, you know prosperity's the very bond of love, whose fresh complexion and whose heart together affliction alters. One of these is true. I think affliction may subdue the cheek, but not take in the mind. Yea, say you so. There shall not at your father's house these seven years be born another such. My good Camillo, she is as forward of her breeding as she is in the rear our birth. I cannot say tis pity she lacks instructions, for she seems a mistress to most that teach. Your pardon, sir, for, for this I'll bless you thanks. My prettiest Perdita, but oh, the thorns we stand upon. Camillo, preserver of my father now, of me, the medicine of our house, how shall we do? We are not furnished like Bohemia's son, nor shall appear in Sicily, Sicilia. My lord, fear none of this. I think you know my fortunes do all lie there. It shall be so my care to have you royally appointed as if the scene you play were mine. For instance, sir, that you may know you shall not want. One word. They talk aside. Re-enter Italicus. <laughs> what a fool honesty is. And trust his sworn brother, a very simple gentleman. I have sold all my trumpery. Not a counterfeit stone, not a ribbon, 
Not a glass, pomander, brooch, table, book, ballad, knife, tape, glove, shoe tie, bracelet, horn ring to keep my pack from festing. A throng who should buy first, as if my trinkets had been hallowed and brought a benediction to the fire. By which means I saw those whose purse was best in picture and what I saw to my good use, I remembered. <laughs> oh, my clown, who wants but something to be a reasonable man, grew so in love with the wench's song that he would not stir his petty toes till he had both tune. <laughs> oh, drew the rest of the herd to me that all their other senses, stars you might have pinched up like it. It was senseless. It was nothing to gild a cod piece of a purse. I could have filed keys off that hung in chains. No hearing, no feeling, but my sir's song and admiring nothing of it. So that in this time of lethargy, I picked and cut most of their festival purses and have not the old man come in with a woo-bub against his daughter and the king's son and scared my chuffs from the chaff, I had not left a purse alive in the whole army. Uh, Camillo, Florizel, and Perdita come forward. Nay, but my letters by this means being there so soon as you arrive shall clear that doubt. And those that you'll procure from King Leontes shall satisfy your father. Happy be you. All that you speak shows fair. Who have we here? Seeing Autolycus. We'll make an instrument of this. Omit nothing may give us aid. If they ever overheard me now, why I'm hanging. Uh, <clears throat> How now, good fellow? Why shakest thou so? Fear not, man. Here's no harm intended to thee. I am a poor fellow, sir. Why, be so still. Here's nobody will steal that from thee. Yet for the outside of thy poverty, we must make an exchange. Therefore, discase thee instantly. Thou must think there's a necessity in it. And change garments with this gentleman, though the pennyworth on his side be the worst. Yet hold thee, there's some boot. Ah, uh, I am a poor fellow, sir. I know ye well enough. Nay. Prithee, dispatch. The gentleman is half late already. Are you in earnest, sir? <laughs> I smell the trick on it. Dispatch, I prithee. Uh, indeed, I have had earnest, but I cannot with con conscience take it. <laughs> unbuckle, unbuckle. Oh, okay, down girl. All right. Florizel and Autolycus exchange garments. Fortunate mistress, let my prophecy come home to ye. You must retire yourself into some covert. Take your sweetheart's hat and pluck it over your brows, muffle your face, dismantle you, and as soon as you can, disliken the truth of your own seeming that you may, for as I do fear eyes over, to shipboard, get undiscreed. I see the place so lies that I must bear apart. No remedy. Have you done there? Should I now meet my father, he would not call me son. Nay, you shall have no hat. Giving it to Perdita. Come, lady, come. Farewell, my friend. Adieu, sir. Oh, Perdita, 
What have we twain forgot? Pray you a word. What I do next shall be to tell the king of this escape and whither they are bound, wherein my hope is I shall so prevail to force him after, in whose company I shall review Cecilia, for whose sight I have a woman's longing. Fortune, speed us. Thus we set on Camillo to the seaside. The swifter speed, the better. Exit Florizel, Perdita, and Camillo. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I understand the business. I hear it to have an open ear, a quick eye and a nimble hand is necessary for a cut purse. A good nose is requisite also uh, to smell out work for the other senses. I see what this is, the time that the unjust man doth thrive. What an exchange had this been without boot. <laughs> What a boot is here with this exchange. Sure, the gods do this year connive at us, and we may do any piece. Extempore is about a piece of iniquity, stealing away from his father with his clog at his heels. If I thought it were a piece of honesty to acquaint the king with all, I would not do it. I hold it the more knavery to conceal it. And therein, I am constant in my profession. Hm. We enter clown and shepherd. Aside, aside. Here is more matter for a hot brain. Uh, every lane's end, every stop, church, session hanging yields a careful man's work. See, see, what a man you are now. There is no other way but to tell the king she's a changeling and none of your flesh and blood. Uh, nay, but hear me. Nay, uh, but hear me. Go to then. She, being none of your flesh and blood, your flesh and blood has not offended the king. And so your flesh and blood is not to be punished by him. Show those things you found about her, those secret things, all but what she was with her. This being done, let the law go and whistle. I warrant you. I will tell the king all, every word, yea, and his son's pranks, too. Who, I may say, is no honest man, neither to his father nor to me, to go about to make me the king's brother-in-law. Indeed, brother-in-law was the furthest off you could have been to him, and then your blood hath been the dearer by I know how much an ounce. Very wisely, puppies. Well, let us to the king. There is that in this fartle will make him scratch his beard. Mm, I know not what impediment this complaint may be to the flight of my master. Pray heartily he be at palace. Ooh, though I am not naturally honest, I am so sometimes by chance. Let me pocket up my peddler's grimace. <clears throat> Takes off his false beard. How now, rustics? Whither are you bound? To the palace, and it like your worship. Mm, your affairs there, what? With whom? The condition of that fardel, the place of your dwelling, your names, your ages, of what having breeding and anything that is fitting to be known. Discover. Uh, we are but plain fellows, sir. A lie! You are rough and heavy. Let me have no lie. It becomes none but 
tradesmen, and they often give us soldiers the lie, but we pay them for it with stamped coin, not stabbing steel. Therefore, they do not give us the lie. Your worship had like to given us one, if you had not taken yourself with the manor. Uh, are you a courtier? And, and it like you, sir? Whether it like me or no, I am a courtier. Seest thou not the air of the court in these infoldings? Hmm? Hath not my gate in it? The measure of the court received not the nose court odour from me? Reflect I not the baseness court contempt? Thinkest thou that for that I insinuate or toes from thee thy business? I am therefore no courtier. I am courtier, clever, <laughs> and one that will either push or pluck back thy business there, whereupon I command thee to open thy affair. Oh, my business, sir, is to the king. What advocate hast thou to him? I know not, and like you. Hmm. Advocate, the court word for pheasant. Say you have none. Oh, none, sir. I have no pheasant cockner hen. How blessed are we that are not simple men. Yet nature may have made me as these are. Therefore, I will not disdain. This cannot be but a great courtier. His garments are rich, but he wears them not handsomely. <clears throat> he, he seems to be more than noble in being fantastical. A great man, I'll warrant. I know by the picking on the teeth. The fardel there. What's in the fardel? Wherefore that box? Uh, sir, there lies such secrets in this fardel and box, which none must know but the king, and mm. which he shall know within this hour, if I may come to the speech of him. Age, thou hast lost thy labor. Why, sir? The king is not at the palace. He has gone aboard, a new ship to purge, melancholy and heir himself. For if thou beest capable of things, keep up, capable of things serious, thou must know the king is full of grief. So tis said, sir, about his son that should have married a shepherd's daughter. <laughs> If that shepherd be not in hand fast, let him fly. The curses he shall have, the tortures he shall feel, will break the back of man, the heart of monster. Think you so, sir? Mm, not he alone shall suffer that wit can make heavy and vengeance bitter. But those that are germane to him, though removed fifty times, shall all come under the hangman which, though it be great pity, yet it is necessary. An old sheep whistling rogue, a ram tender, to offer to have his daughter come into the grace. Some say he shall be stoned, but that death is too soft for him. Say I, draw your throat, sheep coat. All deaths are too few, the sharpest too easy. Has the old man e'er a son, sir? Do you hear? Mm. Like you, sir? 
he has a son who shall be flayed alive, then anointed over with honey, set on the head of a wasp nest, then stand till he be three quarters in a dram, dead, then recovered again with aquavitae or some other hot infusions, then raw as he is and in the honest hottest day, prognostication claims shall be beset against a brick wall. The sun, looking with a southward eye upon him, that when he is to behold him with flies blown to death. But what talk of these traitorly rascals whose miseries are to be smiled at, their offenses being so capital? Tell me, for you seem to be honest, plain men. What you have to the king, being something gently considered, I'll bring you where he is abode, tender your persons to his presence, whisper in your behalf, and if it be in man besides the king to affect yours, here is man shall do it. He seems to be of great authority. Close with him, give him gold, and through authority be a stubborn bear, yet he is off led by the nose with gold. Show the insides of your purse to the outside of his hand and no more ado. Remember stoned and flayed alive. And please you, sir, to undertake the business for us. Here is that gold I have. I'll make it as much more and leave this young man in pawn till I bring it you. Hmm. <clears throat> After I have done what I promised? Ah, sir. Well, Give me the moiety. What's he in this business? In some sort, sir. But though my case be pitiful one, I hope I shall not be flayed out of it. Hmm. Oh, that's the case of Shepherd's son. Hang him. He'll be made an example. Comfort, good comfort. We must to the king and show our strange sights. He must know tis none of your daughter nor my sister. We are gone else. Sir, I will give mm. you as much as this old man does when the business is performed and remain, as he says, your pawn till it be brought you. Mm, I will trust you. Walk before toward the seaside. Go on the right hand. I will but look upon the hedge and follow you. We are blessed in this man, as I may say, even blessed. Oh, let's before, as he bids us, he was provided to do us good. Exent shepherd and clown. Uh, if I had a mind to be honest, I see fortune would not suffer me. She drops booties in my mouth. <laughs> I am courted now with a double occasion, gold and a means to do the prince, my master, good, which who knows how that may turn back to my advancement. I will bring these two moles, these blind ones aboard him, if he think it fit to shore them again, and that the complaint they have to the king concerns him, nothing. Let him call me a rogue for being so far officious, for I am proof against that title, and what shame else belongs to it? To him will I present them. There may be matter in it. Mm. Exit. 
Act Five, Scene One, A Room in Leontes' Palace. Enter Leontes, Cleomenes, Dion, Paulina, and servants. Sir, you have done enough and have performed a saint-like sorrow. No fault could you make which you have not redeemed. Indeed, pay down more penitence than done trespass. At the last, do as the heavens have done. Forget your evil. With them, forgive yourself. Eli, are you here? There we go. <laughs> Whilst I remember her and her virtues, I cannot forget my blemishes in them. And so still think of the wrong I did myself, which was so much, that airless it hath made my kingdom and destroyed the sweetest companion that air man bred his hopes out of. True. Too true, my lord. If, one by one, you wedded all the world, or from the all that are, took something good to make a perfect woman, she you killed would be unparalleled. I think so. Killed. She I killed. I did so. But thou strikest me sorely to say I did it. It is as bitter upon thy tongue as in my thought now. Good now, say so but seldom. Not at all, good lady. You might have spoken a thousand things that would have done the time more benefit and grace your kindness better. You are one of those would have him wed again. If you would not so, you pity not the state, nor the remembrance of his most sovereign name. Consider little what dangers by his highness's fail of issue may drop upon his kingdom and devour in certain lookers on. What were more holy than to rejoice the former queen as well? What holier than for royalty's repair, for blessed comfort, or for future good, to bless the bed of majesty again with a sweet fellow to it? There is none worthy, respecting her that's gone. Besides, the gods will have fulfilled their secret purposes. For has not the divine Apollo said, is not the tenor of his oracle, that King Leontes shall not have an heir till his lost child be found? Which, that it shall, is all as monstrous to our human reason as my Antigonus to break his grave and come again to me, who on my life did perish with the infant. Does your counsel, my lord, should to the heavens be contrary? Oppose against their wills. Care not for issue. The crown will find an heir. Great Alexander left his to the worthiest, so his successor was like to be the best. Good Paulina, who has the memory of Hermione, I know in honor. Oh, that I ever had squared me to thy counsel. Then, even now, I might have looked upon my queen's full eyes, have taken treasure from her lips. And left them more rich for what they yielded. Thou speakest truth. No more such wives, therefore no wife. One worse and better used would make her sainted spirit again possess her corpse. And on this stage where we're offending, where we're, where we're offenders now appears soul vexed and began why, to me? Had she such power, she had just cause. She had, and would incense me to murder her I married. I should so. Were I the ghost that walked, I'd bid you mark her eye and tell me for what dull part in you chose her. And I'd shriek, 
that even your ears would rift to hear me, and the words that followed should be, remember mine. Stars, stars, and all eyes else dead coals. Fear thou no wife, I'll have no wife, Helena. Will you swear never to marry, but my, by my free leave? Never, Paulina. So be blessed, my spirit. Then, good my lords, bear witness to his oath. You tempt him over much. Unless another, as like Hermione, as is her picture, affront his eye. Good, madam. I have done. Yet, if my lord will marry, if you will, sir, no remedy, but you will, give me the office to choose you a queen. She shall not be so young as was your former, but she shall be such as walked your first queen's ghost. It should take joy to see her in your arms. My true Paulina, we shall not marry till thou bidst us. That shall be when your first queen's again in breath. Never till then. Enter a gentleman. Who's playing gentlemen? Guys. One that gives out himself, Prince Florizel, son of Polixenes, with his princess, she the fairest I have yet beheld, desires access to your high presence. What with him? He comes not like to his father's greatness. His approach so out of circumstance and sudden tells us tis not a visitation framed, but forced by need and accident. What train? But few, and those but mean. His princess, say you, with you? Aye, the most peerless piece of earth, I think, that e'er the sun bright shone on. Oh, Hermione, as every present time doth boast itself above a better gone, so must thy grave give way to what's seen now. Sir, you yourself have said, and writ so, but your writing now is colder than that theme. She had not been, nor was not, to be equaled. Thus was your verse, flowed with her beauty once. Tis shrewdly ebbed to say you have seen a better. Pardon, madam. The one I have almost forgot, your pardon. The other, when she has obtained your eye, will have your tongue too. This is a creature, would she begin a sect, might squell the zeal of, might quench the zeal of all professors else, make proselytes of who she but bid follow. How? Not women. Women will love her, that she is a woman more worth than any man. Men, that she is the rarest of all women. Go, Cleomenes. Yourself, assisted with your honored friends, bring them to our embracement. Still, it's strange. Exit Cleomenes and he others. Thus, he thus should steal upon us. Had our prince truly, had our, oh, sorry, Pauline. That's okay. <laughs> had our prince. Jewel of children, seen this hour. <clears throat> he had paired well with this lord. There was not full a month between their births. Prithee no more. Cease. Thou knowest he dies to me again when talked of. Sure, when I shall see this gentleman, thy speech is will bring me to consider that which may unfurnish me of reason. They are come. And re-enter re Cleomenes and others with Florizel and Perdida. Your mother was most true to wedlock, prince, for she did print your royal father off, conceiving you. Were I but twenty-one, your father's image is so hit in you, his very 
air that I should call you brother, as I did him, and speak of something wildly by us performed before. Most dearly welcome, and your fair princess, goddess. Oh, alas, I lost a couple that twixt heaven and earth might thus have stood begetting wonder as you, gracious couple, do. And then I lost all mine own folly, the society amity too of your brave father, whom, though bearing misery, I desire my life once more to look on him. By his command have I here touched Cecilia, and from him give you all greetings that a king, that a friend, can send his brother, and but infirmity which waits upon worn times has something seized his wish, wished ability. He had himself the lands and waters twixt your throne, and his measured to look upon you, whom he loves. He bade me say so, more than all the scepters and those that bear them living. Oh, my brother, good gentlemen, the wrongs I have done thee stir afresh within me, and these thy offices so rarely kind are as interpreters of my behindhand slackness. Welcome hither as is the spring to the earth, and hath he too exposed this paragon to the fearful usage, at least ungentle of the dreadful Neptune, to greet a man not worth her pains, much less the adventure of her person. Good, my lord, she came from Libya. Where the warlike Smallus, the noble honored lord, is feared and loved. Most royal sir, sir from thence, from him whose daughter is tears proclaimed his parting with her. Thence uh, a prosperous south wind friendly we had crossed to execute the charge my father gave me uh, for visiting your highness. My best train I have from your Sicilian shores dismissed, who for Bohemia bend to signify not only my success in Libya, sir, but my arrival and my wife's in safety here where we are. <laughs> the blessed gods purge all infection from our air whilst you be climate here. You have a holy father, graceful gentleman, against whose person, so sacred as it is, I have done sin, for which the heavens taking angry note have left me issueless, and your father's blessed, as he from heaven merits it, with you worthy his, his goodness. What might I have been, might I, uh, son and daughter, now have looked on such goodly things as you? Most noble, sir, that which I shall report will bear no credit, were not the proof so nigh. Please you, great sir, Bohemia greets you from himself by me, desires you to attach his son, who has his dignity and duty both cast off, fled from his father, from his hopes, and with a shepherd's daughter. Where's Bohemia? Speak. Here, in your city. I now came from him. I speak amazedly. And it becomes my marvel and my message. To your court, whereas he is hastening, in the chase, it seems, of this fair couple, meets he on the way the father of this seeming lady and her brother, having both in their country quitted with this young prince. Camillo has betrayed me whose honor and whose honesty till now endured all weathers. Laid so to his charge, he is with the king, your father. Who, Camillo? Camillo, sir. I speak with him, who now has these poor men in question. Never saw I the wretches so quick. They kneel, they kiss 
earth, forswear themselves as often as they speak, Bohemia stops his ears and threatens them with diver deaths and death. Oh, my poor father. The heaven-set spies upon us will not have our contract celebrated. You are married. We are not, sir, nor are we like to be. The stars, I see, will kiss the valleys first, the odds for high and lows alike. My lord, is this the daughter of a king? She is, when once she is my wife. That once, I see by your good father's speed, will come on very slowly. I am sorry, most sorry you have broken from his liking where you were tied in duty, and as sorry your choice is not so rich in worth as beauty that you might well enjoy her. Dear, look up. Though fortune visible an enemy should chase us with my father, power now, no jot has she to change our lives. Beseech you, sir, remember since you owed no more to time than I do now, with thought of such affections, step forth, mine advocate. At your request, my father will grant precious things as, as trifles. Would he do so? I'll beg your precious mistress, which he counts but a trifle. Sir, my liege, your eye hath too much youth in't. Not a month before your queen died, she was more worth such gazes than what you look on now. I thought of her, even in these looks I made. To Florizel. But your petition is yet unanswered. I will to your father. Your honor not o'erthrown by your desires, I am friend to them and you. Upon which errand I now go toward him. Therefore, follow me and mark what I make. Come, good my lord. Exempt. Scene two before Leontes' palace. Enter Autolycus and a gentleman. Uh, beseech you, sir, were you present at this uh, relation? I was by at the opening of the fardel. Heard the uh -huh. old shepherd deliver the manor how he found it. Whereupon, after a little amazedness, we were all commanded out of the chamber. Only this, methought, I heard the shepherd say, he found the child. I would most gladly know the issue of it. I make a broken delivery of the business, but the changes I perceived in the king and Camillo were very notes of admiration. They seemed almost, with staring on one another, to tear the cases of, the, to tear the cases of their eyes. There was speech in their dumbness, language in their very gesture. They looked as they had heard a word rant, a world rant, of a world ransomed, or one destroyed. A notable passion of wonder appealed, appeared in them. But the wisest beholder that knew no more but seeing could not say if the importance were joy or sorrow. But in the extremity of the one it must needs be. Enter another gentleman. Here comes a gentleman that happily knows more. The news, Rogero. Yeah, the news, Rogero. Nothing but bonfires. The oracle is fulfilled. The king's daughter is found. Such a deal of wonder is broken out within this hour that ballad makers cannot be able to express it. Enter a third here, gentleman. Here comes the lady Paulina's steward. He can deliver you more. How goes it now, sir? Yeah, how goes it now, sir? Oh, true. It's so like an old tale that the verity of it is in strong suspicion. Has the king found his heir? Most true, if ever truth were pregnant by circumstance. That which you hear, you'll swear you see. There is such unity in the proofs. The mantle of Queen Herminia, 
her jewel about the neck of it, the letters of Antigonus found with it, which they know to be his character, the majesty mm. of the creature, in resemblance of the mother, the affection of nobleness which nature shows above her breeding, and many of the other evidences proclaim her with all certainty to be the king's daughter. Did you see the meeting of the two kings? No. Then you have lost the sight which was to be seen, cannot be spoken of. There might you have beheld one joy crown another, so in, in such manner that it seemed sorrow wept to take leave of them, for their joy waited in tears. There was casting up of eyes, holding up of hands, with countenances of such distraction that they were known by garment, not by favor. Our king, being ready to leap out of himself for joy of his found daughter, as if that joy were now becomes a loss, cries, O oh, thy mother, thy mother, then asks Bohemia forgiveness, then embraces his son-in-law, then again worries he is his daughter with clipping her. Now he thanks the old shepherd, which stands by like a weather-bitten conduit of many kings' reigns. I never heard of such another encounter, which Lames reports to follow it and undoes description to do it. What, pray you, became of Antigonus that carried hence the child? Like an yeah. old tale still, which will have matter to rehearse, though credit be asleep and not an ear open. He was torn to pieces with a bear. This avouches the shepherd's son, who has not only his innocence, which seems much to justify him, but a handkerchief and rings of his that Paulina knows. What became of his bark and his fellows? Wrecked the same instant of their master's death, and in the view of the shepherd, so that all the instruments which aided to expose a child were even then lost when it was found. But, oh, the noble combat that twixt joy and sorrow was fought in Paulina. She had one eye declined for the loss of her husband, another elevated that the oracle was so filled. She lifted the princess from the earth and so locks her in embracing as if she would pin her to her heart that she might no more be in danger of losing. The dignity, wow. the dignity of this act was worth the audience of kings and princes, for by such was it acted one of the prettiest touches of all, and that which angled for mine eyes caught the water, though not the fish, was when at the relation of the queen's death with the manner how she came to bravely confessed and lamented by the king how a tentative wounded his daughter, till from one sign of dolor to another she did with an alas, I would fain say, bleed tears, for I am sure my heart wept blood, who was most marble, their changed color, some swooned, all sorrowed. If all the world could have seen it, the woe had been universal. Are they returned to court? No. The princess, hearing of her mother's statue, which is in keeping of Paulina, a piece many years in doing, and now newly performed by that rare Italian master, Giulio Romano, who had he himself eternity and could put breath into his work, would beguile nature of her custom, so perfectly he is her ape. He so near to Herminia hath done Herminia that they one would speak of her and stand in hope of answer. Thither all with all greediness of affection are they gone, and there they intend to sup. I thought she had some great matter there in hand, for she hath privately twice or thrice a day, ever since the death of Hermione, visited that removed house. Shall what? we thither and with our company peace the rejoicing? Who would be then that has the benefit of access? Every wink of an eye, some new grace be born. Our absence makes us unthrifty to our knowledge. Let's along. Excellent gentlemen. Did everybody get that? Now, had I not the dash of my former life in me, would preferment drop on my head? 
I brought the old man and his son abroad, the prince, told him I heard them talk of a Faradell, and I know not what, but he at the time overfond of the shepherd's daughter, so he then took her to be, who began to be much seasick, and himself little better, undiscovered. But tis all for one to me. Had I been the finder out of the secret, I would not have relished among my other discredits. And your shepherd and clown. Oh, oh, here comes those who I have done good by against my will, and already appearing in the blossom of their fortune. Come, boy. I am past more children, but thy sons and daughters <laughs> will be all gentlemen born. You are well met, sir. You denied to fight with me this other day because I was no gentleman born. See you these clothes? Say you see them not and think me still no gentleman born. You were best say these robes are not gentlemen born. Give me the lie, do and try whether I am not now a gentleman born. I know you are now, sir, a gentleman born. I and have been so any time for these four hours. And so have I, boy. So you have. But I was a gentleman born before my father, and for the king's son took me by the hand and called me brother. And then the two kings called my father brother, and then the prince my brother, and the princess my sister called my father father, and so uh, we wept. And there was the first gentleman-like tears that we ever shed. We may live, son, to shed many more. Aye, or else twere hard luck being in so preposterous a state as we are now. Uh, I humbly beseech you, sir, to pardon me all the faults I have committed to your worship and to give me your good report to the prince, my master. Pretty, son, do, for we must be gentle now we are gentlemen. Ah, yes, good. Thou wilt amend thy life. Aye, uh, and in it like your good worship. Give me thy hand. I will swear to the prince, thou art as honest a true fellow as any is in Bohemia. You may say it, but not swear it. Not swear it, now I am a gentleman? Let Bors and Franklin say it, I'll swear it. Oh, if it be false, son. If it ne'er be so false, a true gentleman may swear it in behalf of his friend, and I'll swear it to the prince thou art a tall fellow at thy hands, and thou wilt not be drunk. But I know thou art no tall fellow of thy hands, and that thou wilt be drunk. But I'll swear it, and I wouldst thou wouldst thou be a tall fellow of thy hands. I will prove so, sir, to my power. I and by any means prove a tall fellow. If I do not wonder how thou darest venture to be drunk, not being a tall fellow, trust me not. Hark! The kings and the princes are kindred, <laughs> are coming to the queen's picture. Come, follow us. We'll be thy good masters. Excellent. Scene oh, three. A chapel in Polina's house. Enter Leontes, Polixenes, Florizel, Perdida, Cam Camillo, Polina, lords, and attendants. Oh, grave and good Polina. 
the great comfort that I have had of thee. What, sovereign sir, I did not well, I meant well. All my services you have paid home, but that you have vouchsafed with your crowned brother and these your contracted heirs of your kingdoms, my poor house to visit, it is a surplus of your grace, which never my life may last to answer. Oh, Paulina, we honor you with trouble, but we came to see the statue of our queen. Your gallery have we passed through, not without much content and many singularities, but we saw not that which my daughter came to look upon, that you of her mother. As she lived peerless, so her dead likeness, I do well believe, excels whatever yet you looked upon or hand of man have done. Therefore I keep it lonely, apart. But here it is. Prepare to see the life as lively mocked as ever, still sleep mocked death. Behold, then say it as well. I like your silence. It the more shows off your wonder. But yet speak, first you, my liege. Comes it not something near? Her natural posture. Chide me, dear stone, that I may say indeed thou art Hermione. Or rather thou art she in thy not chiding, for she was as tender as infancy and grace. But yet, Paulina, Hermione was not so much wrinkled, nothing so aged as this seems. Oh, not by much. So much more than Carver's excellence, which lets go by some 16 years and makes her as she lived now. As she might have done. So much to my good comfort as it is now piercing to my soul. <clears throat> stood even with such life of majesty, warm life as now it coldly stands when first I wooed her. I am ashamed. Does not the stone rebuke me for being more stone than it? Our royal peace, oh, royal peace, there's magic in thy majesty, which has my evils conjured to remembrance and from thy admiring daughter took the spirits standing like stone with thee. And give me leave, and, and do not say tis superstition, that I kneel and then implore her blessing. Lady, dear queen, that ended when I but began, give me that hand of yours to kiss. Oh, patience. The statue is but newly fixed, the color's not dry. My lord, your sorrow was too sore laid on, which sixteen winters cannot blow away. So many summers dry, scarce any joy did ever live so long. No sorrow but killed itself much sooner. Dear my brother, let him that was the cause of this have power to take off so much grief from you as he will peace up in himself. Indeed, my lord, if I had thought the sight of my poor image would thus have wrought you, for the stone is mine, I'd not have showed it. Do not draw the curtain. No longer shall you gaze on't, lest your fancy may think anon it moves. Let be, let be. Would I were dead, but that methinks already, what was he that did make it? 
see, my lord, would you not deem it breathed, and that those veins did verily bear blood? Masterly done. The very life seems warm upon her lip. The fixture of her eye has motion in it, as, we're, as we are mocked with art. I'll draw the curtain. My lord's almost too far transported that he'll think anon it lives. Oh, sweet Paulina, make me to think so twenty years together. No settled senses of the world can match the pleasure of that madness. Let alone. alone. I am sorry, sir. I have thus far stirred you, but I could afflict you farther. Do, Paulina, for this affliction has a taste as sweet as any cordial comfort. Still, methinks there is an air comes from her that what fine chisel could ever yet cut breath? Let no man mock me, for I will kiss her. Good my lord, forbear. The ruddiness upon her lip is wet. You'll mar it if you kiss it. Stain your own with oily painting. Shall I draw the curtain? No, not these twenty years. So long could I stand by a looker-on. Either forbear, quit presently the chapel, or resolve you for more amazement. If you can behold it, I'll make the statue move indeed, descend and take you by the hand. But then you'll think, which I protest against, I am assisted by wicked powers. What you can make her do, I am content to look on. What to speak, I am content to hear, for tis as easy to make her speak as move. It is required you do awake your faith. Then all stand still. On, those that think it is unlawful business I am about, let them depart. Proceed. No foot shall stir. Music. Awake her. Strike. Music. Tis time. Descend. Be stone no more. Approach. Strike all that look upon with marvel. Come. I'll fill your grave up. Stir, nay, come away. Bequeath to death your numbness, for from him dear life redeems you. You perceive? She stirs. Hermione comes Start down. Not. Start not. Her action shall be holy as you hear my spell is lawful. Do not shun her until you see her die again, for then you kill her double. Nay, present your hand. When she was young, you wooed her. Now, in age, is she become the suitor? Oh, she's warm. If this be magic, let it be an art lawful as eating. She embraces him. She hangs about his neck. If she pertain to life, let her speak to. I and make it manifest where she has lived, or how stolen from the dead. That she is living, were it but told you, should be hooted at like an old tale. But it appears she lives, though yet she speak not. Mark a little while. Please you to interpose, fair madam. Kneel and pray your mother's blessing. 
Turn, good lady. Our Perdita is found. You gods, <laughs> look down, and from your sacred vials pour out your graces upon my daughter's head. Tell me, mine own, where hast thou been preserved? Where lived? How found thy father's court? For thou shalt hear that I, knowing by Polina that the oracle gave hope thou wast in being, have preserved myself to see the issue. There's time enough for that. Lest they desire upon this push to trouble your joys with like relation. Go together, you precious winners all. Your exaltation partake to every one. I, an old turtle, will wing me to some withered bough, and there my mate, that's never to be found again, lament till I am lost. O oh, peace, Paulina, thou shouldst a husband take by my consent, as I by thine a wife. This is a match, and made between by vows. Thou hast found mine, but how is to be questioned? For I saw her, as I thought, dead and have in vain said many a prayer upon her grave. I'll not seek far, for him I partly know is his mind, or her mind, to find thee an honorable husband or wife. Come, <laughs> and take her by the hand. His worth and honesty is richly noted, and here justified by us, a pair of kings. What's from this place? What? Look upon my brother, both our pardons, that e'er I put between your holy looks my ill suspicion. This is your son-in-law, and son unto the king, who heaven's directing is troth plight to your daughter. Good Paulina, let us from hence, where we may leisurely each one demand an answer to his part performed in this wide gap of time since first we were dissevered. Hastily lead away. 